Hello and welcome to Devour the Podcast. I know you want to hear the sirens better. Yeah, we want to get like the gritty urban feel of New York. That's right. that's what you bring to the show is that level of street <laughs> knowledge. And, uh, mm-hmm. What, what about the white bread suburban feel of West Bloomfield, Michigan? Because I got that going on. Oh, you betcha. <laughs> that's important. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, I, you know, of course, I have the down-home folksy charm. That's me. <laughs> That is you all over. When I hear down home folksy charm, I immediately think Bo Ransdell. I'm kind of a, a modern day Andy Griffith in many ways. <laughs> no. I don't see. <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome to, to Devour the Podcast. We'll start just like that. This is episode, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, 126. In order to correct you, I would have to know. Yeah. Maybe not. Yes, I believe that is correct. All right. I, I, that, that feels right. I could start keeping track. You know, it, it's easy enough to find out, and I should have prior to the show, but I felt like last show we talked about it being 125. Uh, and I oh, was, that seems definitely familiar. And, I, and, yep. and so I'm, I'm going off my, my gut hunch here that uh, <laughs> chronology works, and this will be 126. But anyway, so here we are. I am, uh, I'm Bo. I'm, you know, for lack of a better term, the host. Uh, with us, as always, the, the, really the queen of horror podcasting, if you get right down to it, Jamie J. Sammons. How are you this evening? Oh, well, I'm touched. That was really nice of you. Thank you. You're very um, welcome. <laughs> I'm, uh, I am doing great. I really am. I'm happy to be here. I'm so excited to do some talking about. It, you know, well, this is a show that I love doing, and so I always get excited when it's time to do the show. Well, especially when we've got two hot bangers like tonight's films, <laughs> which let's go ahead and mention it. We're we're talking about The Dead Hate the Living, uh, which, I mean, it's all right there in the title. And then uh, Terrifier, which had been getting a lot of a lot of buzz, a lot of heat around that movie. And all of us agreed that doing this show was a great excuse to finally watch it and see mm-hmm. uh, what all the fuss was about. Uh, the so, dead hate the living, which I like to call the listeners hate the hosts. That's but that's just my <laughs> take on that. I have already chastised that uh, listener who suggested it. Who was it, Darren? Oh, okay. We'll get into. Yeah. It. Oh, I incidentally. <laughs> he apologized <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> 
ran into the person who suggested the last movie that we watched it. It was because he was on. He ended up doing a guest spot on a show that that I was on. Oh, Penn. Okay, so who who was responsible for that mess? It was uh, Mike White, and I so. So we were doing this show together, and I was, and it was a "What have you been watching?" thing. And I said, "Well, for Devour, we've been watching blah blah blah." And then our audience chose this movie for us to watch, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "It got, you know, I was being honest." And then he's like, "Oh, sorry about that." And I'm like, "Oh shit, that was you." <laughs> I'm glad said, well, that we can know, I, insult I, 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 the know. audience to their face now. I think that's a step <laughs> forward for this show. No, it was, I mean, it's funny. He's great. He's a good friend of mine. It just, I didn't know. Like, I, I didn't realize that it was him, and I walked right into that. And um, I was just like, well, oh, sorry. It turns out he hadn't actually seen the movie. He just. Oh, just wanted us to do the test run for him? I guess I guess that's the danger of that segment is it could be like, you know what? I always wondered what, you know, Human Centipede 2 was like. I wonder what the, these assholes think. Bo, fetch. Right. <laughs> uh, I don't like playing guinea pig, though. There's a real Westworld vibe to it I don't like. <laughs> Did you introduce Vanessa? No. Not yet. Not yet. Sorry. Uh, we got sidetracked ta- talking about uh, that that stuff. Uh, of course, you're right. <laughs> Vanessa McHenry. I, di- I, didn't, I didn't totally forget. I just got distracted, which happens often. I know. It's so, okay. I'm not offended. That's okay. Uh, yes. On the one-year anniversary show of VD Clinic, David comes back, and he forgets who I am. He forgot my name. What, what so, did he call you? Like, Rebecca? He's like, uh, 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 like, um, like, what's her name? <laughs> Talking about me to Darren. <laughs> but in his defense, I mean, he was pretty baked at the time, but still... Right, yeah, you know. I'm like, how long have you been gone from the show and you've already forgotten my name, you little bitch? <laughs> did you call him a little bitch? She did now, because he listens um, to the show. I think I'm going to call him a shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I called him out. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Uh, how's tricks? How's things? Good, yeah. Over at VD Clinic, we just celebrated one year anniversary and did a crazy inebriated commentary of uh maximum overdrive so one of the best movies ever well well done well chosen well neither david nor i had seen it really whoa really yeah holy crap wow yeah so and only and so darren had yeah that added an interesting piece to it (laughs) it always amazes me when i find out someone has not seen that coke-fueled nightmare well i'd seen like you know different bits and pieces here and there but not the entire film not that it's a really coherent piece of cinema (laughs) it's got three chords banging away that's all it needs right (laughs) but anyway yeah that's fantastic congratulations by the way thank you and uh so let's talk about what we've been watching of late and um I don't know. Uh, like I know we got a month kind of between shows here, so let's uh, let's not go nuts. But let me hear something good because I've been watching a lot of crap, and I need I need something good in my life. So, uh, Jamie, give me give me something. Well, we've mostly been boobs deep in Andy Sedaris films because <laughs> um, 
it is that time on Colossal Collection where we have gotten to our Girls, Guns, and G-Strings Andy Sedaris film collection. So that's what we're doing. Uh, but for good, we um, not to brush over those because that that if you don't know Andy Sedaris films, then you, you should because it's fun. They're special. I, uh, they are. <laughs> They are. They're fun. And there is like a, there's a through line, you know, and I, I've gotten attached to some of these yeah. characters. And when they don't show up in some of the movies, I get mad. I'm like, where's Taryn? She's not in this movie. I'm not happy, you know? So, um, it's, it's fun stuff. Uh, we just recently watched Cargo, though. The, um, Martin Freeman. Yeah. Uh, zombie flick from Netflix. I saw that as well. Yeah. Um, that was, I mean, on, the tone was exactly what I was expecting it to be. I, however, had not seen the short. Brian had. So he kind of had uh, a little bit more of a foothold than I did. Like, he knew a little bit more. Uh, and uh, But I hadn't, so I had no idea what to expect. But then he described to me, after we watched the film, he described to me the ending of the short. I was like, oh, my God, that's fucking tragic. I mean, just my brain started going off in all these different directions just from the short film alone. Now, the The actual feature length film has a, a decent conclusion and uh, you know it everything's wrapped up but the way he described the ending of the short film i'm just like oh my god i mean it just i gotta watch it i still haven't watched it but i need to i need to watch it because it sounds heartbreaking but um so there's cargo i feel like there was something else new that we watched that we liked but um, i don't know i can't remember there. So we'll go with Cargo. That was the most recent thing. Vanessa, you seen Cargo? I have not. All right. I thought it was okay. I mean, it didn't blow me away. I I wasn't... Um, like I said, it was exactly what I was expecting as far as tone goes. And even as far as the way it wrapped up. You know, just a little, a little ways into the movie, I was like, okay, you know, kids are going to be... Um, Raised by Aborigines. I mean, that's just that's that's what I see happening here. And spoilers. It did. Uh, yeah, I know. And it it <laughs> did. It's sort of a not so subtle at all. Not subtle in the least. Jab at fracking, which I just find interesting, considering fracking is like a side, the very very side, but a side story in uh, Santa Clarita Diet, which is also about zombies. But they do have this whole fracking thing going on sort of in the background. So I thought that's kind of a fun connection there. But um, Yeah, it, I, I kind of felt the same. I felt like there was nothing terribly subtle about the movie. And it just didn't do enough to separate itself from some truly great zombie films that are out there these days. Um, yeah, I, I would even say something like Ravenous or Les FM. Uh, I like saying it like that. Um, I thought that was a much more kind of striking take on the zombie genre, whereas this felt like a very well done by the numbers kind of zombie story. Well, it kind of puts me in mind of things like, uh, of things like, oh, what's that movie? The Dead? Only, yeah, yeah, not sure. that good. Only not as good. But the, not that it's bad, but it's just not that good. Like, The Dead is incredible this is you know it did but the tone is very similar to me it's sort of wide open expanse out in the middle of i mean because this is out in the middle of australia so it's 
you know, a lot of uh, sparse. And so I kind of got the same feel. But then the overall tone, because you can see they're doing the thing. It's another one of the it's another one of the more recent zombie movies that is attempting to do things that aren't the usual zombie movie. Like everyone is trying to move away from like a Dawn of the Dead and do something a little more cerebral. Uh, that's their I mean, you can tell that's what they're attempting to do. Like with things um, like the one with the woman that was alone in the woods. I can't remember what the name of that one was. But um, the thing with the woman who was alone in the woods. You remember the woman that was alone? I know you saw it because we talked about it. But it was the woman who was alone in the woods. And oh, right, right. I I know what you're talking about. I can't remember the title now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like but, you know, she movies... runs into the other group and right, yada, right. yada. Yeah, right, right, right. Yep. Movie zombie movies that are attempting to not be zombie movie, you know, your typical zombie movies. All this one had uh, a little more of the because some of them are some movies out there are just outright not showing them or outright, you know, you never see them. It's just there's a threat and you but you're the focus on the human part of it. This one did actually focus a little a little on the zombie portion. I will say I liked the look of them. I thought it was interesting. One thing I really did like I loved was that you have this whole kit. So like once you get bitten, you, it comes with like a little Fitbit countdown thing and you have roughly right. 48 hours before Two you days know until you're fucked. Yeah. Comes with like a suicide shot. It comes with a bit that you put in your mouth. Um, so that way when you turn, you won't be dangerous. I mean, I, I thought that was really clever and fun and something I haven't seen before. So that I, I give them props for. So they did some things that I thought were really good. Overall, I will say it just didn't do, it didn't like, I wasn't like, holy crap by the time it got to the end, you know, but right. It, it's, and it's fine. Yeah. He's fine. He's really good in it. Uh, it it's a fine film. It, it, you know, if you watch cargo, you'll probably enjoy yourself. Um, but you're you're not going to be talking about tar- cargo a year from now, you know. No, I would agree with that. It it ain't no the battery. My yeah. my personal favorite zombie film of the past what five ten years. Which I also don't hear anyone talking about anymore. So not, not enough. I'm out there evangelizing. I'm on street corners on the weekends. <laughs> Just like you got you and Westboro Baptist Church. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Except I've got you know. Uh, a, a message of love and hope and apocalypse as well. So. <laughs> oh, I want that in a t-shirt. Love, love and hope, hope and apocalypse. And apocalypse. <laughs> you know that can be arranged. Or at least one. Yeah, we can do that. Darren. Uh, but what about you, Vanessa? What have you been watching that I, I ought to see besides stupid cargo? Sorry. Um... <laughs> Well, something to not see, a friend dragged me to see the stupid Blumhouse Truth or Dare, which I knew was going to be terrible, and it was. Yeah. I've heard that's kind of a special sort of bad, though. Uh, if I, maybe if I'd been drunk, but I wasn't. Um, yeah. Anyway, thank goodness for MoviePass, but... To erase that out of my mind, I went home and watched something good that I hadn't seen in a while. And I watched New York Ripper. Nice. All right. Yeah. Just because I've, uh, my office moved a few months ago and I'm much closer to 
like Times Square and some of the places that they film in the movie. And it, I always love seeing New York of a certain era compared to it now. It's so, so different. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to see <laughs> what hasn't changed. I mean, <laughs> you can still find, you know, the the peep shows here and there, but not like definitely not like they were in the 70s or 80s. <laughs> oh, I got to tell you, too. Manhattan is so clean now. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, like of trash and just like, that's not supposed to be like a euphemism or anything. I mean, like, it's, no, 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 it's, no. it's clean. Like it, it. It doesn't Times, smell like garbage. <laughs> Times Square is so Disney-fied. I mean, even the Broadway shows are so Disney now. <laughs> the theater isn't even dangerous anymore. <laughs> like, the legitimate Broadway theater isn't dangerous. It's just... Are you trying not... to tell me, tell me Hamilton is not challenging our sensibilities? Well, okay, Hamilton is certainly different than some other than Aladdin. Let's put it that way. But do you want to know how many so Aladdin? Well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry. Lion King. Harry you go to some parts of Chinatown, they still smell like dead fish. Oh, absolutely. But you know, most of Chinatown. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can always you get off the subway and you're like, <laughs> but that's just because. Places See, down there dumping shit in the streets, you know. But no, I love it. You, I remember one of the first times, like my mom was visiting. We're walking down the street in Chinatown, and we look. We're looking just to cross, you know, look both ways before we cross the street. And we look to our right, and there's a fish market right there. And someone comes out with a lead pipe and starts beating a fish. And then you know, and we like barely break stride because we realize it's the street's clear. And once we get to the other side of the intersection, we look at each other and we're like. Did we just see <laughs> And we're like, there was a lead pipe beating that fish dead, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Fish murder. Yeah. Another case for <laughs> Vanessa and the Good Time Gang. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, no, New York Ripper, I just, I always enjoy that movie. And it's, because it is so just grimy. Yeah. Like, it's a real sleazy kind it. of movie. Yeah. But yeah, in a good way. Exactly, exactly. And I kind of needed that, so. What That's really the only about thing. the first Maniac, too. Yeah. It, oh, yeah, so absolutely. Brilliant. That's a, yeah, a real, like, I can't get this out from under my fingernails kind of movie. Right. <laughs> uh, no. All I remembered was, we watched the new Death Wish. Uh, how was that? And we, um, not as bad as everyone was saying it was. It, I really didn't think it was all that bad at all. Now I know you have a special hatred for Eli Roth. But, oh, do um, I ever? <laughs> but I mean, the the biggest problem I had with it, to be perfectly honest, was that Bruce Willis kind of phoned it in. Uh, he sometimes he was good, other times I didn't believe him for a second. I'm like, I'm not buying what you're saying there, buddy. I'm not buying what you're selling. <laughs> yeah. And Welcome to post was, Die Hard with a Vengeance, Bruce Willis. Enjoy right, your stay. Right, right. But that was the that was the biggest issue I had. I, I thought it was a. I mean, it's not. It's no. I mean, it's it's no. I mean, no one would be able to Charles Bronson it. You know what I'm saying? Like no. But so it's nothing like that. Like he, he never says drop it, Pally. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Oh, that's uh, disappointing. But I, it had some pretty decent violence, and 
some pretty good kills. I, I I was like, okay. I mean, I had fun with it. And that was, we watched that right off the back of Strangers Pray at Night. And we watched these back to back, which I also didn't hate. I mean. Yeah, I've heard all right. it's all right. I, I've said numerous times and people pretty much know that I'm not a fan of the original, the Strangers. I, I just don't, I, it never, it never did it for me. Home invasion films are, are like as a rule, just don't do anything for me. And Liv Tyler with her talking like this just got on my nerves in that movie. I just plus everything they did was telegraphed. I mean, every little move they made was so like, ugh, this is what's going to happen here, and it did, and it pissed me off. So I, you know, whatever. This one though, it kind of is more of a slasher than a home invasion film. It sort of it sort of leans into slasher territory. So I like that. Like it, it went a little, it went there, and. Any time, even though the ending didn't completely make sense, because these are actual just regular human beings, it some some of the stuff that happened really shouldn't have happened. But when you have a flaming truck driving to the backdrop of air supply, I don't fucking care, man. That was cool. Yeah, all right. And oh. there was a swimming pool fight scene with neon all around, and they're playing Total Eclipse of the Heart. I mean, what? Like, I was having a good time with it, if for no other reason than the awesome-ass soundtrack. All right. Well, uh, waited, Jamie Jenkins, that I know, right I'm on sorry. top. Uh, that's one of the closest Jamie Jenkins on record. <laughs> it was still in the same segment. Yeah, that's still really... Not my, it wasn't my turn, but it was still in the same segment. Yeah, no, that's... we'd moved on, sure. That's okay, Jamie. On... Um... The latest episode of VD Clinic, I pull a, I, a Jamie Jenkins moment, and David calls me out on it, and he's like, "You have obviously been around her too long now." <laughs> <laughs> no. And I'm like, "David, I have always been like this. Maybe not as bad, but." <laughs> Eventually, you two will form into one being that I will call Vagessa. <laughs> yeah, there is no being around me too long. We're we're just getting started. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but shut up about that because it's my turn now, and I want to talk about. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, tell us what you've been watching. I want to talk about Deep Blue Sea Two for a second. Oh well, please go ahead. Mm. I'm dying to hear it. Every now and again, a movie comes along <laughs> that fails on on so many levels simultaneously. That you just have to stop and and stare in awe. <laughs> and Deep Blue Sea 2 is kind of that movie for me. Uh, I, I, I expected it to be pretty bad. But it's worse than that. It has a, uh, a theme song called Deep Blue Sea. That... I mean, if it weren't performed by David David Hasselhoff, it could have been. I didn't. Lo- <laughs> I didn't look. In fairness, but the, one of the lines in the song uh, that leads into the chorus actually is re- it refers to the undertow of gloom, and I don't know if uh, you read much T. S. Eliot, but that's poetry if I ever heard it. Oh God! And. They, so the movie up front is like, hey, you know them great white sharks from Deep Blue Sea? Fuck those bitches. <laughs> the great whites aren't dangerous at all. What you got to be worried about are bull sharks. 
And <laughs> so it's a totally different kind of shark. Oh. It, uh, it, but it's kind of the same experiment, but they don't really reference the first film very much. It's just, it's like if someone had written a ripoff of Deep Blue Sea and they were like, hey, do you, hey, you guys care if we make that the sequel? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, sure. We thought it was kind of crap, but no, no, it's perfect. And Did they actually say Great White? Because I'm pretty sure they the the sharks in the first film were Makos. Maybe so. Maybe they were Makos. But but at any rate, I would just no. I would have loved it if they had said Great White, and then that would just be one more way in which they failed. <laughs> sure, it was. It Deep Blue Sea Two is one of those movies I can't ever recommend to someone, but. If if you or you and some of your friends are looking for a movie to mercilessly rag on that just serves up moment after moment to to ridicule, then Deep Blue Sea uh, Part 2, the CNN, is one of the best choices I think you can make in today's modern horror movie crap climate. Um, I really, I really adored it, you know, because it was just wall to wall terrible. And I, and I love that about it. Um, but a, 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 for real good movie though, is the Aaron Moorhead, Justin Benson joint called the endless. Uh, I don't know if it is out on VOD just yet. Had a limited theatrical run here in the States and, uh, I think it's out already on, uh, VOD in the UK, maybe. At any rate. So these are the guys that did Resolution, which is a movie I really liked. Um, then they did the movie Spring, that kind of Lovecraftian love story movie. I remember that. Yeah, I, I thought that was a perfectly good movie. Oh, wait, Resolution. That was the one with the two guys in the trailer. You're goddamn right it is. Yes. Okay, with the guys trying to kick the drugs. Yep, yep. Okay. Okay. So yeah. so that was their first movie. Then they did Spring. Then they did The Endless. And The Endless is kind of more resolution than Spring in terms of subject matter and just dealing with really kind of weird, esoteric, you know, sort of shit. But uh, I, I, I thought it was great. I thought it was an intensely interesting. Because the root story is about two uh, brothers who, as kids had escaped this cult um and when they grow older the younger brother who only has kind of fond memories of the cult is thinking about going back and his older brother is like you know what we're gonna go for a night and you're gonna see what it's really like and all the weirdness of it because that you don't remember none of that and then this will be out of your system but of course, there are spooky goings on uh, at this commune out in the woods, and it just gets increasingly weirder. And I was terrified that this movie was not going to adequately explain itself. Mm-hmm. And then, not only does it explain itself in a completely satisfying way, it turns out it's kind of a backdoor sequel to Resolution. That explains um, that movie in far greater detail. 
oh man right i got to see this it's that is awesome it's i mean you had me at cult first of all yeah yeah that's totally had me at cult (laughs) right and and, like they show up and like all of them look the same and it's like how come you guys aren't aging and they're like we lead a healthy lifestyle out here and you're like bull to the shit you're up to something bad (laughs) (laughs) oh man it's really good would you recommend like watching watching resolution again and then watching this one yes i wish i had done that it's not gonna help or hurt really it, it it just is going to make you more familiar with that. So when there is a moment in the film that directly references the events of Resolution, oh man, I gotta where do where this. yeah, where you're like, motherfucker, you sneaky bastards! You you guys made a sneaky sequel to a movie I like, and <laughs> and you never said that. Uh, it, it's it's quite good, and it, I mean it, by itself. The movie, I think, is pretty great. And then with that little sprinkle of making it pay off to have followed these guys a little bit. it Like they're creating their own mythology in a way that I, I think is That's cool. unusual. Like you don't see a lot of directors trying to pull that off. And and it just works, man. When it happens, it like I almost got to my feet and, and was like, you got to be kidding me. Uh, See, it's that's great. it's kind of like split and unbreakable. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the way I was at the I, end of sports. I see the analogy. Like, I loved the, yeah, I loved the movie anyway. But then when we got to the very end, I was like, "Motherfucker!" Like yeah. right in the theater. My problem is unbreakable because I went back and watched that after seeing Split because I almost had that reaction too. I was like, "Really? That's pretty cool." So I went back and watched uh, the Unbreakable uh, movie, <laughs> uh, which I think is what it's called, the Unbreakable movie. <laughs> and upon rewatch, <laughs> and upon rewatch, that movie is boring as shit. <laughs> There's like three cool things that happen in this two-hour movie yeah. that just can't get around to getting started or have any enthusiasm for the subject matter. Like everyone seems so put out by the fact that it's a superhero movie. And I don't need it to be big and colorful and gaudy like a, you know, Marvel film or something. But the only person who seems remotely interested in what's going on in the movie is the kid who is quickly sidelined in that film once uh, it gets into (laughs) its third act. And yeah, I just, I I thought that movie was kind of a bummer. And maybe it'll be more of the movie I want it to be like this split. uh, What's a glass? Is that what it's called? Yes. The sequel. Yeah, maybe yeah. that'll be the movie I kind of want to see, but I, yeah, I thought Unbreakable is actually not really that good a movie. It's a well, cool idea. I wish it were better. I've seen it twice, and I remember liking it a lot, uh, both times I've seen it. I will, however, admit that it has been a few years since I've seen it the last time, so. Yeah, and maybe um, it's just me, but I like. I just wish probably someone in that movie thought that what was happening was interesting besides me and everyone in that other than Samuel Jackson, everyone else in the movie looks one degree of disinterested or another about the events of their lives. Does that include Bruce Willis? Oh, a hundred percent. Um, I don't know that he was totally checked out. I don't know if his acting choice was to be quietly stunned the whole movie. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I'm no actor. Just look at the trailer. 
everyone looks checked out in the trailer. For just Unbreakable? Looks, yeah, I'm yeah. just saying, trailer alone looks boring as shit. I yeah. saw the movie and was just kind of like, eh, okay, it wasn't the worst thing. It wasn't, never, yeah, okay, whatever. Even the, bo- even the trailer's boring. <laughs> right, like the big climax of the movie is he falls into a pool that's got some plastic on it. And it's like, that's not enough. I need it to be more than that. I need this movie to have a little bit more narrative thrust than he overcomes his weakness of water because he fell into a goddamn pool. If it it can happen to my niece that we don't talk about anymore, it shouldn't happen in a superhero movie. That's my rule. Okay. Sorry, I broke the Charlotte rule is what we call it in our family. Anyway, that's what I've been watching. But uh, (laughs) I think now it is time that we turn our attention to uh, the news. Be quiet a second, will you? It's 8 o'clock in Los Angeles. It's 9 o'clock in Denver. It's 10 o'clock in Chicago. In Baltimore, it's 6.42. Time for the 11 o'clock report. Here's Johnny. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Game over, man! Game over! Your mother sucks cocks in hell. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the news. I'm excited. Uh, Obviously. First, <laughs> first up... Toho ditching Shin Godzilla 2 in favor of a massive kaiju-filled cinematic universe. Here in the States, Godzilla is already part of the shared cinematic universe known as Legendary's Monsterverse, which so far includes 2014's Godzilla and Kong Skull Island. Up next, Mothra, King Ghidorah, and Rodan are joining the fun in Godzilla 2 before Godzilla and King um, Kong come together for an epic mashup film. And it seems Japanese production distribution company Toho, the original home of Godzilla, is planning its own cinematic universe. To make a long story short, Toho's deal with Warner Brothers and Legendary means... They can't do much of anything until 2021, but they're planning on opening the floodgates once they're able to. And here's a quote from Toho's Keiji Ota. He said, after 2021, we're thinking of a potential strategy that releases Godzilla movies uninterrupted at a rate of every two years, although there is a preference for a yearly pace as well. The future of the series and its forwarding developments are very conscious of the method of shared universes. Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah, etc. could all share a single worldview, much like a Marvel Marvel movie, where Iron Man and the Hulk can cross over with each other. That's the good news here. The bad news, if you loved Shin Godzilla, you'll probably probably be bummed to hear that Shin Godzilla 2 will apparently not be happening. Ota explained, Shin Godzilla was a huge hit, but instead of thinking of doing the obvious idea of making a Shin Godzilla 2, instead, think about a world that can be used for a long time. I'd rather make a world of Godzilla. Yeah, and and it's weird them referencing, like, well, if Marvel can do it, it's like, yeah, but you guys were doing it 50 years ago that's, already. That's what I was going to say, is they've been, there has always been a Godzilla shared universe. Now... 
typically they were his films and other people would just pop in. But like you had several movies with Ghidorah, several. I mean, it just they would kind of cross over and crisscross and it, it was a thing. I mean, they did it way before Marvel did. So, yeah, that's weird to me. Yeah, but I'm down for it. I like Shin Godzilla's fine. It, it's all right. It's not my favorite Godzilla, even of the modern Godzilla films, and uh, which I watched way too many of. But you know, then again, Final Wars is pretty rad. Uh, but yeah, uh, like them saying we're gonna put one out every year or two years, and I heard some people complain about that as well. It's like, but again, that's what they were doing back then, and I love right. those movies. Yeah. And if they're even a little <clears throat> bit like that, like I don't know if you guys saw Shin Godzilla. But it was kind of updated suit tech and all the model work and all that stuff was like, this is what you can do with models and, and sweetening it with a little CGI here and there. And it looks really good. It's really cool. Yeah, I have not actually gotten around to seeing Shin Godzilla yet, but we not too long ago were watching a YouTube video about something and they were showing clips of it. And I'm like, damn, I really do need to see that movie. Because I have a feeling I'll like it more than the 2014 Godzilla from over here, which I do not like. I didn't care for it at all. I watched that at the same time that I watched Pacific Rim. And as far as Kaiju goes, Pacific Rim kicked its ass, in in my opinion. Like, I had a hell of a good time with that. That being said, I'm looking forward to the MonsterVerse continuing because I loved Kong Skull Island. So I want more of that I would just kind of like to forget that the 2014 Godzilla ever happened because I didn't care for it. But too much people time. Yeah, but at the end of it has Godzilla grabbing one of them monsters' heads, yanking its jaws open and breathing atomic breath down its damn throat. So the last 10 minutes was fun. Yeah, it sure was. It was was too fucking long, though, to get up to that point. Absolutely. Okay. (laughs) I'm just, I I can't totally dismiss it because it has one of my favorite things I've ever seen Godzilla do in a a movie in that film. So I have to, I have to include it in my canon, but you're right. It it takes too long to get where it's going, but once it gets there, it's pretty good. I mean, I just, I don't know. I don't, I'm the whole time I'm watching. I'm, I checked out of that movie. I was doing something else. I was like, I don't care. I'll tell you what. And Brian's like, he's coming. He's coming. I swear to you, he's coming. I'm like, well, th- get the fuck here. Cause I don't <laughs> care about these people. And then when I went, we went to see Kong Skull Island and I was like peeing my pants. I had so much fun in that movie. So yeah, that, they certainly course corrected towards, oh, monster movies. That's what these are. Right. 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 We forgot. Right. Oh no, I, I'm right with you. I love I love the Kong one, but not ju- and I'm not just saying that because apes and monkeys are my thing, mm. whereas Godzilla is <laughs> is both. Boy, then you should have been watching some 1930s detective but, movies. Let me tell you. Oh no, I've seen all of those. <laughs> uh, yeah, where it's, it always turns out it's a, somebody trained a gorilla to do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. No. <laughs> And I moved to Brooklyn. My mother had to get me the movie Bella Lugosi meets a Brooklyn gorilla. Um, <laughs> just cause. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> but, but I love monkeys too. Let's not, I, I don't want to be labeled 
as a Kong denier. I'm also oh, I'm pro Kong as well. I'm not saying you are. I'm not saying you are, but you have your preference. There's nothing wrong with that. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> but yes, that last like US Godzilla, it too much people time and too just cheesy people time. Like yeah. I didn't give a shit about the sappy love story. Nope. That shit. I don't nope. need it. <laughs> I want yeah. monsters. I want big giant monsters doing big giant monster shit. That's all I asked for. You have a love story in that movie, it better be Godzilla falling in love with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Or and it better not be fucking Kenny. I don't want any <laughs> goddamn Kennys. Or or like Kong falling in love with another lady in a, in a, another doomed romance because Kong's problem when you get right down to it, and I've thought about this quite a bit, is he that likes he likes the ladies well, a lot. But he also picks relationships he knows are doomed to fail, and in yeah, that way he protects himself. himself. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's really sad. Uh, that's why that's why that scene uh, from that Peter Jackson Kong where he's sliding around on his ass in mm-hmm. Central Park or whatever. Uh, that's why that's particularly heartbreaking because you know that he, he, in a way, he is committing suicide. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I have a, I have a lot of time on my hands. Um, now I'm going to get all the clip. I'll be uh, able to put the gorillas and monkeys. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what, what else is going on in the world there, Jamie? Well, let me tell you. Turns out, Terry Gilliam's poetic horror film Tideland heads to Arrow Video Blu-ray. It was David Cronenberg who raved that Terry Gilliam's Tideland, released in 20, uh, 2005, is a, quote, poetic horror film, which is good enough for us to classify it in the horror genre. A rich slice of southern gothic Oh, see, now you're speaking my language. Yep. Blurring whimsical fantasy with unsettling reality. Tideland is headed to Blu-ray this coming August in the U.S. and U.K. via Arrow Video. Uh, it will be released August 13th. Um, for his 10th feature, Terry Gilliam, of 12 Monkeys, Time Bandits, and Interesting choices that they <laughs> of all the films that he's done they did they, yeah but yeah, i mean they, they, brazil maybe I mean, it's too long ago or something um i feel like that's the one people talk about the most though yeah. although 12 monkeys is i yeah. actually prefer I 12, 12 monkeys, monkeys but yeah, yeah. for me well, it's, you know because monkeys yeah well sure but for me it's fisher king is is probably my favorite gilliam film even though it's flawed i think it's gorgeous I mean, to be perfectly honest, and this might might be a controversial statement, he's kind of hit or miss with me. Oh, so, sure. Yeah, he's, he's not um, a perfect director, but he's... I don't really care for Brazil. I, I feel like uh, that's the one that people talk about the most, or at least they do a lot, but I really don't like that movie, so... Yeah. It's, just it's a very bleak movie. Uh, I just get bored with it. I, I mean, I thought, but it's very. I just do. So no, it is. It is sunshiny and smiley. Um, and you know me, I'm all sunshine and smiles. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, he uh, Thailand is adapted from Mitch Cullen's celebrated cult novel, a work he once described as Alice in Wonderland meets Psycho through the eyes of Emily. Okay. Uh, to escape her unhappy life in a remote part of Texas, nine-year-old Jaliza, Jaliza Rose dreams up an elaborate fantasy world. But the reality of having junky parents 
played by Jeff Bridges and Jennifer Tilly. Wow. And the influence of her eccentric neighbors begins to encroach, turning her daydreams ever darker. Uh, special edition contents are um, uh, listed if you look it up, which I recommend you do. Um, <laughs> if you're interested. Well done. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, has anyone seen that film? Yeah, I, not? yeah I haven't. I feel like a real asshole because I really like Terry Gilliam. Even even his bad stuff, I think, is interesting on some level. You know, that like he's a malcontent that I, I really appreciate. He seems like I feel like I need to see this film. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I, he seems same like character. one of those like directors, directors in the same way that there are comedians, comedians, you know, right. Uh, that he's like the Ms. guy. Men. That, maybe, but I don't know. It's just a thing. That, I don't know. <laughs> Just, it's a saying. So. It, it, it's just, words. Just fly in this instant. Yeah, that repeated <laughs> when in Rome. Uh, so yeah, but I, I think that he, Gilliam is one of those guys that directors that I love love him, and yes. so that gives him a little more street cred, even when he fucks up for me. But I like. I'm crazy excited to see. Um, Lost in, not Lost in La Mancha. What is it? The Death of Don Quixote. That yes. the documentary Lost in La Mancha, which is an amazing documentary, um, was based around. So I'm I'm curious to see that. And uh, yeah, I just think he's a fascinating director, and I can't believe I haven't seen his one kind of pure horror film, or not pure, but you know, mm-hmm. I don't. I, Brazil comes close, I guess, but. Is there another one that's there's some dark fantasy? Time Bandits gets pretty dark. I think Twelve Monkeys Twelve is pretty Monkeys dark. Gets, you know? gets, it's dark, yeah. Uh, I, I guess I think of that more as sci-fi. I wouldn't call it horror, but it's it's dark. Sure, yeah, it's exactly. Dark. And Get, that I love that film. So yes, I don't his think, hits with me are really strong. Yeah, I don't think Gilliam has a lot of optimism when it comes to the race. You think? I think from an early age, uh, you know, even back in the Python days, he was always seemingly, to me, kind of the nihilist in the group. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can totally see that. With this one, I see the word Southern Gothic, and I'm like, I gotta go. I gotta go to that. Because, yep, you know, much like Cult, I had me at Southern Gothic. (laughs) Did did you see Stoker? The Chanwick Park did. film? Oh, speaking of Southern Gothic, shit. So good. Fuck, so that movie's I good. Really, I really, really, really liked that film. Brian, not so much, but I loved it. And I just... Uh, was It was Michelle Pfeiffer, wasn't it? No, Nicole Kidman. No, Nicole, Nicole Kidman. Okay, yeah, yeah okay. Um, it's one of those actresses that's aging but is still out there. That's what... <laughs> that's what but in a, I mean, they age beautifully. I'm not saying well, anything bad about them. Just saying they've been around for a while and they're still going. Is what is my point? Yeah, I thought that the performances were really good in that. Nicole Kidman has been doing some interesting. She's been picking some really interesting roles. Agree. Um, like with um, what's that movie last year with the uh, the kid? Oh, what the hell is the name of that movie? The movie it was very kid. like it was on my it was Here on my we are top again, list. ladies and gentlemen. I know, I know. <laughs> it was on my top ten last year. And um Killing of a Sacred Deer. Yes. Oh sure, that's a great film. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah, she's been picking some really cool roles. So, uh, you know, she's I, I, she's Sally fielding it up a little bit. Like uh, she's outgrown all the Days of Thunder shit, you know, where she's like, oh, I got to get real now. Because if I'm going to continue to work as an actress, it ain't going to be on the looks. I got to I got to I got to make a stand. Well, and after she realized, you know, the Botox was, you know, getting all fucked up. Yeah, I'm glad she knocked that yeah. shit off. Seems like that's scaled back some. I hate no, it that. Does. See, she's she still doing more... something, but she's doing something better. Yeah. She looks a little more relaxed. For a while there, it seriously right. looked like someone yanked her ponytail really hard. And I exactly. was like, oh, Nicole, don't do that. And then it started, her, her face started to relax. And I think she's very pretty again. It just, it was startling there, like. Burt Reynolds startling for a second there. Kenny Rogers, Rogers. startling. <laughs> oh, were you going to say that too? Yeah. Oh my God. His is holy shit, dude. What are you doing? Yeah. Talk about your Kenny Rogers roaster. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, also, um, very gothic to me was um, Jug Face. Did you guys see that? Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Yes. A shit like out of that, that movie. I, I would. I have not seen it. But I will now because it sounds interesting. And it turns out there's a fancy schmancy Blu-ray on the way, according to your story. As it happens. So look for that in August. Uh, Next up, Stephen King throws shade at Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. And, of course, everyone out there is going, duh. Right. Like, yeah. Who gives a shit? Talk to me about something that isn't 40 years old. Well, hang on. I'm getting there. Because let me finish the sentence. In his new novel, The Outsider. So, I guess he has renewed his shade throwing. He's still hung up on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, just, he's still fucking hung up on it. Right. He's pissed someone changed his story and made a better movie than any like any film that had been a direct representation of that book, see above the uh, miniseries. Thank uh, you. <laughs> that it's only going to be so good. Some of it's going to be good. Some of it's going to be real fucking stupid. Whereas Kubrick like was like... Him. Hey, let's get rid of the stupid shit, highlight the scary stuff, and then do this iconic representation of a psyche breaking down in isolation. Also, I can talk about the plight of the Native Americans and how I faked the moon landing. (laughs) Probably. It's probably all in there. It's probably true. Potentially. Or and then minotaurs. Don't forget minotaurs because that skier and that poster on the wall looks like a minotaur. Anyone out there who doesn't know what I'm talking about, watch Room 237 because holy crap, (laughs) is that hilarious. That movie just... That is a certain kind of special. I love it. It is. But it's no secret that Stephen King scathes Stanley Skubrick's adaptation of his The Shining. As IndieWire notes, he's referred to Shelley Duvall's Wendy as, quote, one of the most misogynistic characters ever put on film, further adding that Kubrick, quote, thinks too much and feels too little. And the film, and that might not be wrong, and the film itself as, quote, a big, beautiful Cadillac with no engine inside it. He's also taken issue with Jack Nicholson's acclaimed performance as Jack Torrance, saying, when we first see Jack Nicholson, he's in the office of Mr. Ullman, the manager of the hotel, and you know then he's crazy as a shithouse rat. All he does is get crazier. In the book, he's a guy who's struggling with his sanity and finally loses it. To me, that's a tragedy. 
In the movie, there's no tragedy because there's no real change. Now, that's something I've said for years. I refer to it as the Jack Torrance syndrome whenever a character does that. Um, I can't say he's wrong. I do actually love Jack Nicholson's performance in that, but I think he started out really scary. You know, <laughs> to right, me, he but just, it's, he, it's he a different thing. He could have started out a little bit smaller. Just a little bit. Just a little, you know. I mean, like, the the scene where they're driving to the hotel and he's all, see? He saw it on the television. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's... Right. But, it back, dude. <laughs> but you know what's kind of tough to portray in film? Someone slowly crumbling sanity. You know? Like, I... I, I feel like... I, again, I think it's Sour Graves. I think it's Stephen King being all butthurt about the fact that somebody took his book and made it cinematic where it never was before. And well, I'm sure there is some of that, but this whole Jack Torrance thing is not like an, I mean, you know, he's not, not wrong, but he has to understand that the movie is a different thing from the book. And it is, but I still feel like he could have gone, you know, it also is like James Brolin in Amityville horror. I, I feel like he started out scary, you know, like he just like that dude frightens me. So I think if he had started a little he bit slower. No, I don't think he was as bad. No, not as bad. I just think it was very. Because, for instance, the only good thing to me about the remake of the Amityville Horror was Ryan Reynolds' performance. Because I feel like he actually did. Agreed. Agreed. He did that transition beautifully. And the yeah. closet scene's pretty good. There's <laughs> that. Um Anyway, he's been extremely vocal about his disdain for the film, as we all know, even though he's praised Kubrick as a terrifically smart guy who's, quote, made some of the movies that mean a lot to me. All of these years later, King still holds resentment towards the adaptation and proves this by throwing hilarious shade in his new novel, The Outsider. King introduces a character in The Outsider by noting that she's watching Kubrick's Paths of Glory because, in her words, it's better than The Shining. Maybe this will act as some... <laughs> as some release for King, no matter for those interested, The Outsider is now in stores as of last week. Okay, so, oh, I guess the real story there is that Stephen King has a new book out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. They failed to put it that way, right? <laughs> right, I mean, but because the highlight is one innocuous line from the book. Yeah, which really could have been a whole lot more clever if he was really trying to dig. I don't think it yeah. was all that much of a dig, but yeah. Um, miracle, but that's what... I know <laughs> there's a new on. Stephen King novel out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, uh, I, I, this was on Duncan's uh, recommendation, Duncan McLeish. Uh, whom Another Duncan would there be? I I know two, McLeish and Donuts. Agreed. Oh, well, I could go for a day. I was just going to say Donuts. Get out of bed, Jamie. <laughs> um, but he had recommended listening to the Pet Cemetery audiobook that came out a few years back with Michael C. Hall as the narrator. Yes. And mm-hmm. uh, which I have been doing, and it is terrific. He has a great Judd Crandall. I kind of want to see him as Judd Crandall now, even though he's far too young for the role. I should mm-hmm. hear that. I mean, I should you know do that. I don't. I don't really. Oddly, I don't <laughs> because I I narrate books. But I don't really like listening to narrated books. I <laughs> um I I tend to get sidetracked 
if someone's reading to me, <laughs> like I'm just, I'll get lost. So, um, that's kind of funny because I read aloud all the time. I mean, Brian, like when we're reading a book, we read them together and I read aloud and that's fine. But if he were to try to turn, like if he were to try to read to me, I would just go, I mean, it's, I can't for what it is it for whatever reason, I can't keep my focus. So I don't listen to, I don't listen to audiobooks. I listen to podcasts and for, you know, somehow that, I guess it's like a different thing, but I don't know. I'm babbling, but <laughs> no, I listen to podcasts, but because partly commute times and also at work, different things where I know I'm going to get interrupted. Right. But I don't want to get into a book because I know how I am about books. And, <laughs> and I also just like reading the actual, I, I'm also old school and still prefer the physical book. So Oh, I won't, I don't do e-reading. I don't do that all the time. Part of that is probably, well, no, I was that way before Brian, but I'm sure part of that is, is, is partially because of him being an author and we, we don't allow those in our house, but, (laughs) but even before that, I was still a staunch book reader. I, I feel like I look at my screen for so long every day for various other reasons if i'm reading something for pleasure i don't want to do that anymore right you know i I like to hold books in my hands i like the smell of as a matter of fact Mm. my little studio here is in our library and it's partially because it's the really great soundproofing like you know being surrounded by books is is really good soundproofing but also i love the smell i just love being in the presence of books. So that's never going to change. Yeah. I don't want to make it out like, I hate books. Like my, <laughs> my favorite book is Fahrenheit 451 because it had good ideas. <laughs> All the other ones can go. No, and that's I, the one thing that Hitler... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I said the one thing. Oh, jeez, Louise. Other, meaning other things were bad. Yeah, I just... So, (laughs) the thing I like about it, though, is I I listen to the Pet Cemetery when I'm going to bed, and it's like somebody's telling me a spooky story. Aww. Yeah, it's pretty good. And and Michael C. Hall's a great narrator, because he's a good actor. And, yeah, and I haven't read Pet Cemetery in years and years, but I'm familiar with it. Like, I don't like audiobooks as a primary input method. I like it as, Oh, I've read the book and now I'm curious about the audiobook because having a narrator read this might be a fun way to revisit it. That, okay. Well, I'll tell you that, right now. That's a valid point. Yeah. Like I'll I, tell I, you right now, that's one that I would check out. Yeah. It's really good. And I, I the other one I've been doing is, uh, uh, when I was a kid, my mom turned me on to those uh, Robert B. Parker Spencer novels, and I've been listening to the audiobooks of that, which I read forever ago when I was a kid. So listening to it now, I'm like, oh, wow, these books are certainly of a time, but uh, also uh, enjoyable and very nostalgic for me in a lot of ways. So, um, hey, that ain't the news. What's more news, Jamie? Yeah. <laughs> well, more news is Simon Pegg on the subterranean monster of Slaughterhouse Rules. Fans of Simon Pegg and Nick Frost and their celebrated Cornetto trilogy have been chopping at the bit. Oh, man. 
Does it say chomping and not champing? It does. No, it says chomping. Ugh. All right. That's wrong, people. Get it through your skulls. I already don't like this writer. I can't I can't do this. <laughs> They've been I'm gonna change it. Then skip the story. <laughs> have been champing at the bit for any new details about their upcoming project, Slaughterhouse Rules. The film will mark the dynamic duo's first major on-screen collaboration since 2013's The World's End, though they've both been wildly productive on a multitude of individual products. Projects, Jesus. Details have been slowly leaking about the film, but in a recent interview with Digital Trends, Peg revealed a bit of information about the big bad of the story. He says it's going to be really fun. It's a sort of a horror comedy. It felt like the right thing for Nick and I... To have as our first, without well, actually, that's not the writer's fault. That's Simon. <laughs> um, oh no, yeah, Peg. Um, to have as our first collaboration with Stolen Picture. It's about a private school in the UK which sells off parts of its land to a fracking company, and the fracking company then unleashes a subterranean monster that terrorizes the school. Oh wow! So this is what we're doing now. Is this? <laughs> are we in the? Have we gone from found footage to fracking? <laughs> like are all the movies going to be about fracking now? Yeah. Just just a thing. Um it's a big metaphor for the UK privatizing things and it's mixed up with some ridiculous sloppy horror. So it's right up our street. I, you know, so, Simon Pegg wants to make a monster movie with Nick Frost. I'm on board. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I'm not I did, did I don't think there's going to be anything bad uh, about that as a possibility or uh, not even a possibility a thing. I I see that as being nothing but good. So, yeah, it, it reminds me a little bit. Uh, did you guys see that movie Grabbers? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. There, there was a whiff of that as he was describing it, and I was like, "Oh, okay." I'd, I'd see another one I of them. Loved that movie. Yeah, it's all right. Loved it. We was we recently watched it again during um, Halloween when we did our passport to Halloween, and. So we watched all four movies, and so we watched it again, and I was just like, God. So even on you – know, that was probably my third time seeing it at that point. It still just holds up really well. I Everything everything about it I absolutely loved. So if anyone out there has not seen it, I, I highly recommend it. I mean even the the special effects are phenomenal. Eh, some of that computer stuff is a little dodgy, but it's, it's, it's it a great movie. Great. It's okay. But then I need glasses, so <laughs> – I remember enjoying it, but it's been a while since I've seen it, so I can't comment on the special effects. I like how we did a My Cousin Vinny glasses reveal on <laughs> Jamie at the end of that. <laughs> I do. It's bad. I have to have Brian sit next to me while I'm playing Far Cry because he has to read the screen because I can't. <laughs> When things pop up for me to do, I can't read them. I'm like, I'm like, what's oh, I say? God. Uh, but the what's effects look great. <laughs> Never seen better. <laughs> they get them guys from LucasArts or whatnot. <laughs> and I was watching that movie through my screen, which was caked with mud and, and a dirty window. <laughs> yeah, right. You get it. Uh, man, okay. That was another My Cousin Vinny part. <laughs> I, I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I love you guys so much. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
And no, I'm not drunk. I just am really giddy right now. Okay. Yeah, no. Sometimes you just break. It happens. <laughs> Did you guys want another story about Stephen King? Too bad, because I hear one. It says... Uh, all right. Jeez. <laughs> Stephen, <laughs> Stephen King's Doctor Sleep film adaptation receives a release date. Because he has been just nuts lately. I mean, he's all over the place. Every time you turn around. Stephen King, Stephen King, Stephen King. Vanessa even watched Stephen King. I, well, and I've even seen, I saw other Stephen King stories that I didn't pull. And these, and I pulled two. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's hot right now. Like, there's uh, all the Castle Rock stuff coming out. and Yeah. Am I stepping on Oh, my on God. Oh, oh, something broke inside me, I think. Because it's Mike Flanagan. I know. It's Mike yeah. Flanagan. Yeah. Exactly. On the heels of the haunting of Hill House. Which makes me so happy. Uh-huh. Oh, love me some Shirley Jackson. Okay. Uh, Writer-director Mike Flanagan said last year that he was more... Did you see all the pretty things that live in the house? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah. I mean, don't be afraid if you did or didn't. It no, I, I, I thought it was... It's not a trick question. I just, I'm just genuinely curious. <laughs> I thought it was really well done. I just thought it was a little drier than what I want from even that kind of parlor sort of ghost story. Did you know that was supposed to be Shirley Jackson? Oh, really? No, I didn't no, know I mean, the writer, the writer in, that, in that film is supposed right. to be Shirley Jackson. Oh, okay. That I, makes more sense. I yeah. didn't like it, though. So that's me. yeah, but I didn't get the Shirley Jackson from it. I was like, I don't see this at all. But you know, what's the uh, what's the other big Shirley Jackson novel that I'm blanking on? The House Next Door, or something like that. No, no, no. We've always lived in a castle. Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah, and that's actually the, the the title of the film. All the pretty things that live in the house was was inspired by, by that book. Yeah, yeah. but. I don't know. I just didn't feel the Shirley Jackson when mm. I was watching that film, but I was kind of surprised when I found out that's what I was like, really? <laughs> but um had a conversation with X about it because he was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. My, Mike Flanagan busting out. I think it's what, like a six-part Netflix uh, well, series, uh, something like that? Yes. that? Yeah, I think so. Uh, for Haunting of Hill House, which sounds That's great. exciting. Right. I, I, love my I can't tell you how excited I am. <laughs> right. Just really well. It was like when I found out that the Coen brothers had a Netflix series coming out this year. I was like, the fuck? When what did that happen? Fuck? Yeah. Sorry, Well, Jamie. Mike Flanagan's been doing really well with Netflix. I mean, you know, Hush was amazing. And then, of course, Gerald's Game. Mm-hmm. Right? Um So, I mean, I imagine he'll probably be able to do whatever he wants. Which, he you know... Has- Something else in the works with them. I like that because he is an artist who needs to be allowed to do whatever he wants. You know, he did the best he could with Ouija too, but even he he was under constraint with that because the studio said, you know, you ba- you gotta tie it into the first one, like you gotta make it fit with the first one. So he could only go so far outside the parameters there. But when he is, the, he's the type of filmmaker that needs to be allowed to adapt his own material. If you allow him to do his own stuff, then you get amazing things like Oculus or Hush or Absentia or just go down the line. I yeah. before I wake, I you know, let him do his thing, and I guarantee you, it's going to be good. And you can hold me to that. 
guarantee. That's I don't know what else. The means. Jamie guarantee. <laughs> it is. <laughs> you write me a 1000 word essay on why you don't like one of his films and I think it makes sense. I'll <laughs> refund your ticket price. <laughs> wow. That's Any of his movies? Statement. Can I can I slip in with Nightflyer? <laughs> no. I'm Mike Flanagan. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> But yeah, like I said, you have to you have to make it make sense, and <laughs> so you get to writing people. <laughs> yeah, this, this fake contest you've just invented. Everyone get to work. <laughs> I guarantee you, there's some asshole up there who's gonna do it. <laughs> I'll get this in my inbox, and I'll be like, "Fuck." <laughs> yep. Uh, okay, writer director Mike Flanagan said last year that he was more than willing to helm a film adaptation for Stephen King's The Shining sequel, Doctor Sleep. Flanagan is fresh off his success of adapting King's other nail-biting tale, Gerald's Game, for Netflix last year. It seems Warner Brothers found Flanagan's offer too tempting to resist. After all, how could you pass up a chance for a sequel to The Shining with a director like Flanagan leading the way? The studio is officially moving ahead with the project, and they have set a release date for January 24th, 2020. Ah, That just sounds like a sci-fi number, doesn't it? (laughs) <laughs> and like, the, uh, such a fake date i know i know it's two years away <laughs> exactly <laughs> but it, it sounds so fake well when i heard That's you talk about coming? like toho putting out all those godzilla movies in 2021 it was like yeah. right. finally a reason to live <laughs> i can make it that far that's only three years i think i can do that uh, the sequel will be, will be very interesting in a number of ways. First off, Stephen King has made it no secret that he isn't a fan of Stanley Kubrick's iconic <laughs> horror film adaptation. Gee, I wonder where I heard that recently. He told Deadline, it's like a big, beautiful Cadillac with no engine inside. Yes, we know that. Um, <laughs> this raises the question of how Flanagan intends to approach the sequel and if King will have any involvement in the project. Kubrick's film is widely loved by fans, but he made King's story his own. It's safe to assume Flanagan would uh, would intend to not add insult to injury decades later and possibly try to stay faithful to King's Dr. Sleep novel, but will it tie into Kubrick's film? Well, I mean, he did that with Gerald's Game. He, I mean, right. he did make some changes, but I think there were changes that were definitely for the better, and I, I don't think Stephen King would even argue that. And um, But he stayed... True to the end, even right down to the goddamn ending, which like the very, very ending, which I was like, oh, <laughs> you did it. I didn't really care for the ending ending of the book. And consequently, I was like, eh, with the movie, even though I can't really blame him for that because he was just being faithful to the source material. So whatever. But he did it with that. So I see no reason to think he wouldn't with another one. It's it's amazing how that Stephen King stock has risen with uh, it landing right. as hard as it did. Because right. before that, let's right. not forget, not just The Dark Tower, but Cell. Holy shit. Cell came out recently. That's oh an my God. awful movie. so <laughs> bad. Dark Tower was pretty terrible. I, I still haven't seen it. I'm, I, I yes. saw it, and I was so bored. Yeah. Oh, my. I know. I was reading The Gunslinger at the time. It was oh. just kind of annoying because you're just like, thank you for reminding me that this is so terrible and so off the book. 
Yeah, I always thought that that uh, Gunslinger, when they had the idea for, hey, we're going to do a couple of movies and there's going to be this series in between and that kind of thing. It was like, right. ah, that might work. I mean, it's just such a weird, expansive story. Like, oh, you okay. do Wolves of the Kala as a, a mini series or something. And then you have, oh. you know, Drawing of the Three is your big tentpole movie kind of thing. Yeah, the the way that they were trying to do it, just what the fuck were they thinking? Anyway, we're not here to talk about that horrible movie. We're here to talk about a horrible movie yet to be. Uh, hopefully not. Uh, but, but yeah, I haven't read Doctor Sleep. Have Have you guys read the book? I haven't. I haven't read it. I have not, and um, but I own it. Uh, yeah, me too. I mean, this the thing is, I've. I've continued buying Stephen King books. I just haven't been reading them in the past, uh, in the past, I don't know, decade or so. I still have them all, but I, I don't know. It's, it's weird. I kind of dropped off at one point and I've recently, recently picked them back up again. So I've decided that I want to, oh, you know, another great adaptation was Mr. Mercedes. Um, no one saw it, I don't think. But that show was on the Audience Network, and um, Brendan Gleeson. No one saw it. Exactly. No, yeah. exactly. I didn't even know there was an Audience Network until I, I heard about the show, and Brendan Gleeson fucking killed it. I, that it was really, really good. And um, if there's a way to find that, I don't know if it's now streaming anywhere. I don't know if you can how you can watch it. But if you haven't watched it, I, I recommend you do. It was really good, and. Uh, I think terribly underseen, but that was another Stephen King adaptation that was this year that was pretty damn phenomenal. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, I've recently picked it back up again, but I haven't, I haven't read Doctor Sleep. So maybe I will now that I know this is coming. All right. Yeah, yeah after I finish right away, it's not coming right away. So. Have time. Oh, that's right. It's that science fiction year. Well, I've got time. Um, right now, we're reading Headhunter by Michael Slade. So that's a reread. But uh, but I wanted to get more into back into Stephen King after we finished that one because we um, we read Gerald's Game um, when that was coming out, and we've been kind of picking at some Stephen King here and there. But I really would like to seriously. What I want to do is start at the beginning of just and do like. All of them, only. I don't know what I'm trying to do to myself with this watching every movie in our collection, reading every reading every book in our life. Preparing <laughs> to die. All at the same yeah. time. Nesting or something. <laughs> but for death. <laughs> eh, anyway. Um, next up, this is surprising to me. Insidious The Last Key is now the highest grossing entry in the series. Uh, that's probably just going to encourage them then. Mind blown. I was very surprised when I read this article. Um, yeah, the fourth entry has just gathered an impressive international box office haul of over $100 million. This is the first for the hit series, which has thus far snagged $100.1 million internationally. And the film's domestic take of $67 million, and that brings the worldwide total to $167 million. Thank you for the math. The film bowed <laughs> higher than all three of the, 
about higher. Does that make sense? All three of the previous Insidious installments when it opened overseas January to April this past year and performed best in Indonesia, but also did gangbusters in Mexico, the UK, Russia, France, and Brazil. Um, anyway, Insidious Chapter 2 was the previous highest grossing film in the series, taking in $78 million abroad for a total of $161 worldwide. All of this is to say that we can be almost 100% positive that there will be an Insidious 5 and possibly an Insidious 6 and 7 while we're at it. I am floored. I really am. I had no idea. I usually keep track of box office scores just because this is a nerdy thing that I do. But I had forgotten to, you know, after the initial release, I don't usually... Unless it's something huge that keeps going for a long time, I don't really keep track of it. But so I kind of forgot <laughs> about that film, and I had no idea. That's nuts. It's inexplicable to me. I don't know. Well, I know how anyone keeps watching these you, movies. You don't enjoy the Wannaverse. We all know that. Oh God, is that really what people call it? The one? No, it's what I call oh, okay. it. I invented that. Oh, thank we God. We established that here. Remember? Yes. All right. I just, so, it, when I hear attention. it, I'm, I'm paying attention. It's just, I block <laughs> it out immediately every time I hear it because it's just such an affront to my ears. No. I, you Shin Godzilla stories, and you, you have to allow Jamie her Wannaverse stories. Thank you. You did that for me. Well, I thought we agreed we weren't going to call it the Wannaverse anymore. No, you agreed to that. Nobody else did. You were the only one who said that. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, <laughs> I already, I've already approached Duncan about doing a retrospective called Masters of the Wanniverse. <laughs> no, don't do it. <laughs> he um he is not a big as big of a fan as I am. So I, I don't Polar know. me shocked. <laughs> you know who I think is though? I believe it was Jerry Cortez who who loves these films as much as I do. So we went, we just watched the first Insidious a couple weeks ago just because. Like Brian was like, What do you want to do? And I said, I want to watch something. And he's like, What do you feel like watching? I said, Insidious. And he's like, Okay. <laughs> like, that's random. <laughs> it's like, I'd really feel like watching that. I got to tell you, it's still scary. I love that movie so much. It just, it gets me. Yeah, two thirds of it's great. Jamie, you can't see me, but I'm shaking my head. <laughs> what is wrong? I don't understand. I don't see anyone. I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> I love you, but <laughs> well, there's that. <laughs> well, here's something that might excite you. I don't know. Um, I'm not in your head at the moment. I was earlier, but not now. But <laughs> true. American Horror Story Eight will be more like Asylum and Coven. Okay. I can be on for the cap. <laughs> yeah, I th- again what what of one of those headlines where you're like, what does that mean exactly? It's gonna be less reality well, show oriented. Well, like, you know, they had the reality show one and then last year they did the whole political thing, and so I think he's deciding to go back to well and the this particularly the asylum part of that because Afterward, right. no one seemed to complain while we were watching that season. But after the season was over, everybody had shit to say about Coven. 
And I'm like, where the mm-hmm. fuck were you people when I, we were actually watching? I, I still like Coven. I love it. I love Coven. Coven is one of my favorites, but whatever. Everyone, undeniably, I think uh, Asylum is probably the most popular season. That's right. the one that everyone goes to. So if it's going to be more like Asylum, then I guess that will make people happy. But um, anyway, news has been steadily coming in regarding the upcoming eighth season of Ryan Murphy's horror anthology series. It was just the other day that we let you guys know that Billy Lord will be back for the new season, which begins shooting this June. And today we have word via deadline regarding just what the tone will be. Rumored to be titled AHS Radioactive. It is not necessarily as real and grounded as the past season. We're sort of getting back to Asylum and Coven. That's the tone of it. So I'm guessing, yeah, it's it's going to be a little more like, woo, like out there. <laughs> or, or just schlocky, which is what that show <laughs> right. needs to be. Personally, right. I really enjoyed the grounded tone of Cult, and I think it helped rejuvenate the series. But then again, a return to the tone of perhaps the show's most beloved season, Asylum, is just what the series needs in the long run. So there's that. So I guess there, let's see, uh, season eight stars Sarah Paulson, Evan Peters, Billy Lord, Kathy Bates, and new cast member Joan Collins. I kind of love that. Mm-hmm. I love the shit out of that. <laughs> yeah. Murphy has revealed he's interested in casting Angelica Houston as well. So oh. fuck yes, bring it on. Give me some bitch slapping, please. <laughs> and... I don't think Kathy Bates was in cult, was she? No, I don't. I think don't think so. so. So I would. I'm. I'd love to see her back. Yeah. Fucking. I'm pleased as punch about Joan Collins, and please, yes, please get Angelica Houston. Mm-hmm. And as long as he never loses Evan Peters, I will be totally happy. And Sarah Paulson too. I mean, I love her too. But yes. Evan Peters is the fucking man. So, okay. And I really like Billy Lord too. I do too. Man, I loved her in the Roanoke one. Yeah. Her um her mama uh hick hick family mom turn or whatever. I don't know how you describe them. Basically, they're kind of like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre yes, family. Right. I you're talking about. Uh that I thought that was badass. I I I loved her in that. So, anyway, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I I think this everything about this sounds really great. I'm not sure what I wonder if radioactive because I don't know anything about it. I this is usually the kind of thing we cover on evil episodes, but I haven't heard anything. So I don't know if it's going to be like a 50s nuclear thing. You know, that would be kind of cool. You could do something with that, maybe or do an 80s kind of. Yeah. Or. Yeah, you could totally do that, too. On tour with Golden Earring. We were all scared shitless in the 80s. Stop it. When I'm not uptight. All right, sorry. Okay, well, I have here in my hot little hands the final story tonight. And that is Resident Evil 7 Biohazard coming to Nintendo Switch in Japan this week. I don't have a Nintendo Switch. So it means nothing to me, and I've already played Resident Evil 7. <laughs> but I will say the Switch, just as a side note, just seemed to, I mean, I don't know. I'm shocked. I, I did not expect it to do as well as it did. I really didn't. 
I know there's Nintendo has their fan base out there who will buy anything, but I just kind of after the Wii U, I didn't really see that hitting as hard as it did, and I thought it was a little too gimmicky, but they proved me wrong. But anyway, they're getting a lot of good shit. They're getting a lot of good titles. I'm excited for people who play on the Switch. I think Resident Evil is a 7 was a really solid game. I loved the shit out of it. So that's I, good news. I tried to play that in VR, and it was too scary. You know, I have a friend who has VR, and I keep talking about doing it, but I haven't done it yet. Um, because I know me. Like, <laughs> I get way into stuff like that. Like, there was a scene um, where you're fighting the woman in the... I don't know if it was like a dilapidated house or like a or a gardening shed or or what it was, but she's like hopping around like she's like a spider lady. She's hopping around all over the place. It's the mom, and the mom like turns into this thing, and she's hopping all over the walls and the ceiling and everything, and she just kind of pops out of here and there. And when I was playing that part of it, Brian was laughing so hard. He was just like, "This is so much better than playing a game myself," because <laughs> I get really animated and really, if you can imagine. I get really into it and really animated and really freaked out. I can only imagine if I played that in VR, it might kill me. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I mean, it. I, I I saw it as a distinct possibility when I, I was playing it. Because I hadn't played it through non-VR. Oh, so you didn't so, know everything that was coming. Right. Like, that's the thing is, oh. every time you, like, walk into a room, it's just like, oh, shit. And... It it did. It did a number on me. I think horror games in VR are terrifying. That's awesome. That's awesome. I really I really should try it. It's been a it's been a hot minute since I played it, so there's a good chance that I wouldn't remember everything. You know, I mean there are things that I certain things I would, but I, I think it's been long enough to where it could probably surprise me. So do you have a switch? Yeah, I do. It's awesome. Of course you do. Of course you do. It's it's real cool. It's a real nothing neat comes out. Nothing comes out ever that Bo doesn't have. That is rule number one I, that nah, I have learned in life. These days, there's stuff I let go at this point. I used to be very much like, I'm going to buy every video game console. And then I, I got burned a couple of times. Like, well, that's a piece of shit. I, sh- I don't ever use that thing. And that, that was several hundred dollars. I should stop doing that. Um, but the Switch actually made sense. For me, for a couple of reasons. One, there were some games I wanted to play, and that's always a big deal. But the fact that you can somehow, using whatever fucking Nintendo Pixie magic they have, like, put this thing on a dock and have it pump out to your TV, and then you just pick it up and carry it with you and keep playing stuff, and it looks just as good either place, it's, I don't know. It's the stuff Nintendo does that nobody else thinks of, and... Sometimes it works, and sometimes it's the Wii U. So, <laughs> now, I mean, so I mean, you like it though, I guess. Yeah, yeah I love it. It's great, and it's such a great repository for kind of indie games that I don't necessarily want to play on a PC. But being able to, you know, kick back on my lunch break or something and play forty-five minutes of Stardew Valley on the Switch is fucking great. What about the memory, though? I mean, wasn't that like a a sticking point? I don't. As it's coming out, like I, how much? Get, 
it can actually oh right I mean, the internal storage of the thing able to yeah 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 um yeah but you can offset that really easily i guess that's a complaint but i pulled i uh, there was an old digital camera that had a flash drive in and i pulled that thing out put it in the switch and it was fine nice yeah okay all right well there's a little life hack for people out there who are wondering how to add <laughs> <laughs> how to do that right if you've got um, an old micro sd card sitting around in in a digital camera from you know the past 10 years then yeah you can use that in your switch okay yeah. there you well go. then i guess you know what and that's the end of the news that's all we got folks uh oftentimes we put out the call for questions and you guys respond uh with this segment ask dtp we should have fanfare music and we kind of don't I might insert some. Perfect. So, uh, John Rhodes uh, asks us a a film-appropriate question. Why do people find clowns scary? I don't. Right, fair enough. Uh, Vanessa. Okay. I have a lot to say on this. <laughs> well, I've had it. You, I have to say, if anyone's going to say something, it, it you are the one to say it. Okay. Um, Jamie already knows this, but and some other people may as well. But my mother is a clown, actually. Yeah, I think you've talked about this on the show. I think maybe, and um, but anyway, I my theory is, and and based on what she talks about, like with people's reactions to when they're scared of her coming up, and she's a court jester, she so she's not even like necessarily a typical like birthday clown, you know? She can't. Get mixed up with like a John Wayne Gacy like <laughs> like look and whatever, but I think it's any time that you have someone's identity that obscured by either the facial makeup or a mask. I mean, a mask it's easier to think, oh, okay, they just pull it off. But makeup, depending on how it's done, I mean, they can accentuate natural features. In potentially menacing ways. That's that's just my theory. I can see that. And there's also an element of the corruption of the innocent. There's something that's supposed well, to be sort of innocent, joyful about clowns. That, true. That you're corrupting with the idea of the murderous clown. Like a, 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 a performer that is geared towards entertaining children suddenly turning predator is, is sort of frightening inherently. That said, I'm I'm in the same boat as Jamie. Like I don't I don't have a predilection towards movies with clowns in them. The fact that Pennywise the dancing clown is scary is sort of maybe not irrelevant of the fact that he's a clown, but certainly not predominantly because he's a clown. No. The fact that he's it's it's like he's someone who's scary who just happens to be a clown. Yeah. Like I found this Pennywise frightening. I never thought Tim Curry was scary. Never. I, I thought it was entertaining, but I never thought he was scary. Oh, I, so, I really like his delivery of oh yeah. they float. Like I like the delivery. I just didn't think it was scary. I mean from that unsettling. It's unsettling. Not so but, much scary, but unsettling. But that being said, I mean there are people who are afraid of clowns just every day. And you know, that's what and that's what I'm saying is that right. that people like in the most innocent of environments, people can get scared of clowns mm-hmm. for the basic reason of you know. But you're right, 
then when you start putting them in this environment or where, you know, they have these actions of they're killing all these different people. Well, yeah, it's the death of innocence as well. Yeah. All right. So on the, on the heels of that question, Andrew Huff, uh, by the way, one of the hosts of Friday the 13th, uh, a fantastic show. Well done guys. I love Andrew. Uh, everyone does. I love John too. Um, they're, they're both like offensively like good looking and together guys. And, (laughs) and it bothers me. Uh, at any rate, Andrew asks, that's the truth. Uh, do you, do you have any irrational fears like clowns? And I think people know mine. Mine is spiders because, and I, I, I question the, the phrase irrational here because everyone knows that spiders like to crawl in your ears when you sleep and lay eggs. And that makes it crazy. That's just science. <laughs> they also like to hide in your shoes to bite your toes. Also science. Mm-hmm. And surprise you in the shower. Yes. Yes. I mean, spiders are an insidious force of evil. We all know that. I don't think it's irrational, but I do have a pretty pronounced case of arachnophobia. Spiders, it, which is weird because other bugs and snakes and stuff doesn't bother me, but spiders freak me the fuck out for some reason. Uh, not for some reason. I can point to like three instances when I was a kid. They're like, this is why Bo's terrified of spiders, but now it's not the forum. Um, ni- neither the time nor the place. But uh, Jamie, what about you? What's what's your thing that no matter what what circumstance, this is going to scare the shit out of you, maybe for no good reason? Mm. Mm. I mean, I have this thing, and I've talked about this on the show before. I have this thing about holes. And I know that that's become like really popular in the last few years, but everyone has suddenly discovered that they're not everyone, but a lot of people have discovered that, hey, we've all been freaked out by this same thing and never realized it until, you know, now we finally put a name to it. And it's not an uh, it's not an actual phobia, but I mean, it's not recognized as a phobia, but um, it's it's always freaked me out. But uh, so but I've already talked about that. So beyond that, I have. I have this really irrational, crazy fear of depths. And when I say it's rational and crazy, I mean, like, if you're in the ocean, you know, that kind of makes sense because, you know, anything could be beneath you. But I could be in a, like, in a lake where you pretty much know what's in a lake. You know, it's not going to change. But if I suddenly start thinking about what's swimming around beneath me, if I can't see the bottom, I freak out. And sometimes if I'm in a swimming pool, if it's nighttime, for instance, and I can't see the bottom, I'll freak out. So it's just, it's the depths and not being able to see. If, if, if I can see, you know, if the water's clear and I can see, then there's no problem. But if I can't see how deep something is or if I can't see what's directly underneath me, I'll freak out and I have to run. All right. And I have to get my ass right out of that, whatever it is, because I am certain an alligator is going to get me or something, something horrible. Show me fear of the unknown. <laughs> it's on the board. Uh, Vanessa, what what fear, irrational or not, uh, consumes your waking hours? Yeah, I have a real issue with 
water as well. I'm I it's because I nearly drowned taking swimming lessons as a kid. Oh yeah. And I've really I still can't swim. I mean I I can't hold my breath underwater, but I could save myself if I had to. I mean I can tread water long enough and float and backstroke whatever, but forget holding my breath underwater. But uh, I really don't do well. Again, yeah, like Jamie said, water where you can't see. Like that's why I recently was in, uh, like, with the Caribbean waters, and it, it was one, it was shallow enough, but two, that um, I could see, you know. And even though, yeah, there was, oh, okay, there's a big, you know, ray, stingray that's going by me. I was, you know, I mean, not that I was getting real close to that, by the way, but I'm just saying, I could at least say, okay, you go over there. I'm going to be right here. I'm fine. <laughs> I And I still, I it's the part of me that had the irrational fear at seeing Jaws as a little kid where I got freaked out. It was also after the, my near drowning experience where I get freaked out in a swimming pool thinking Jaws was going to come get me in a swimming pool. Yep. Like, <laughs> and that scene from Alligator did no yep. service. Yep. Yes. <laughs> and I don't know if either of you have seen the, uh, the magnum opus sand sharks. Oh, it's not just the water you have to be afraid of anymore. Yeah. yeah. Land sharks. Yeah. Well, no shark and saw women's prison. The Jim Wynerski film. Yeah. I, that I haven't that, seen. I feel like I should. Oh, you should. It's fun. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. So two uh, murky waters and a, and a spiders for you there. Um, John also asks, out of the modern slashers, excluding remakes, uh, or ones that you wrote, thank you, um, which is uh, your favorite of the modern slashers? And I think I've got mine, but I'm not sure it qualifies. Terrifier. Just kidding. No. <laughs> Oh, we were going to have words. Uh, <laughs> how how are, how far back are we considering uh, modern? Let's say the past 10ish years. Uh, I don't remember when it came out, but yeah. I really uh, Cold Prey is right up there for me. Yeah, Cold Prey's real good. I would go your next. I thought your next was great. I uh. oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> well, no, it's just I have been in a, I have been in a debate numerous times with people about calling that a slasher film. You think it's I more home invasion? I than think slasher? it's a home invasion. Okay, film. I'm I'm willing to concede yeah. that. And and if that's the case, where do you fall on Tucker and Dale versus Evil? Is it really a slasher if they're it's, all killing themselves? It's kind of a reverse <laughs> slasher, which is what makes it interesting. I don't. Oh, that's an interesting. That's, that's something true. I never considered. That's a that's an interesting thought. It's either that or I got to go back to uh, uh, behind the mask. Well, you can do that's whatever. That's what you want. I was going to pick. That's what I was. Going to pick. <laughs> well, see, I just I feel like no, that is an excellent choice. Too. To me, it's. Uh, I mean, I guess it. I mean, I guess it is. It's just I always put that in its own category because it's so completely different from everything else. So I don't even think about it. But I guess you know, yeah, which it is, is why so. it's better in my book. No, right. I mean that's a that's a good point. But if we're talking, because uh, I guess my mind just automatically goes to straight up slasher formula, then for me it would be like Cold Prey, even Cold Prey Two, which I think I might like a little bit more than the first one. I am down with that. I think Cold Prey Two is actually better than Cold Prey. Yeah, it's a damn good sequel. Honestly, I like that whole trilogy. 
I, I really do. Cold Prey 2, I, I think, does the whole empty hospital thing so well. Like, just really, really good. Right. It, it kind of out Halloween's Halloween 2. It does. It it really does, I think. so. And, and Vanessa, are you sticking with uh, Behind the Mask? Is that yeah, your I final am. answer? Yeah, I am. All right. I mean, no now, shame in that. I already know. Let me head off the people here because I... Like I said, I've been in a debate. I mean, I've been screamed at by a lot of people uh, when they've said they've insisted that you're next as a slasher. And I've said, I really just I don't I mean, you can call it whatever you want. I don't give a fuck. You know, call it whatever you want. I don't call it a slasher uh, for many reasons that I have detailed. And when I've gotten into these discussions and I won't bore you with it now, but uh, for anyone out there who is going to yell at me now, I guarantee you there's not a hard, there's not an argument that hasn't been thrown at me. So. I'm not changing my mind. I we'll, just don't call it slasher. We'll uh, add a link in the show notes to the YouTube comments you've made on this topic. <laughs> uh, all right, let, let's stay on this train because John's got more slasher stuff to ask. He yeah. says, uh, speaking of remakes, how would you rank the big four? I would put big in quotes. Also, I think th- this question is uh, made to troll me some. <laughs> he says, "How would you rank the big four slasher remakes? Turner, Cla- uh, I almost said Turner Classic Movies, motherfucker. <laughs> Turner <Fox> Classic <laughs> Movies. Oh, <laughs> uh, how old am I? Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, Friday the Thirteenth, all all the remakes that came out of Platinum. Not no, Halloween was not Platinum Dunes, was it? Uh, it was Rock Zombie. Yeah, so we have three Platinum Dooms and a uh, Dunes and a Zombie." Uh, up for grabs here jamie you go first because i'm curious what you think of how to differentiate between any of these movies well i will tell you my order and i'm going um bet let's see worst to best best to worst what do you want Uh, Uh, whichever yeah you don't have to dribble between uh, your legs here just lay it out (laughs) let's go worst to best Uh, i would say um my least favorite of those is Halloween, followed by Friday the 13th, followed by Texas Chainsaw, and my favorite is The Nightmare on Elm Street. Shocker. That's fucking crazy. Um, Vanessa, I I don't know. Turn my world further upside down. I can't imagine how to do this. My worst first is the Friday the 13th. Then the Nightmare on Elm Street uh, remake. (laughs) Sorry, Jamie. And then Texas Chainsaw Massacre and then Halloween. Whoa, really? Yeah. No, I'm I'm on board with Vanessa here. I think Halloween's the best of that bad lot. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, I think you lop off. Halloween, I think, is the one that misses the mark more than any of them. But if you lop off the first hour of that movie... It's a perfectly fine, aggressive but slasher. You can't, you cannot lock Still, off an hour of a film and I then say, don't. "Now I'm going to judge it on what's left." No, That's man, not, I, don't, play- I don't even like the first hour of that movie. Yeah, just as something different to watch. Sure, but sure, I don't love it. So yeah, I mean, the others especially. Oh my god. I, yeah, I think Vanessa and I are both in the in the seat here of none of these are good movies. Nobody should ever watch these films again. But if you uh, had I don't to. Know. I mean, I think Texas Chainsaw, even though I'm not real happy with the fact that they changed the name and they changed the history and whatever. 
I, but yeah. you know, it, when you get down to it, there's a lot of good in that film. There's a lot of fun stuff. And I, let me tell you, I have railed against the wetness of that basement. Like you would not believe I, that irritates the shit out of me. The way you go down there and his basement's all drippy and gooey. And no, that's not, no one would have that sign on that is ridiculous. And I'm not a fan of Mark. What the fuck is his name? I almost called him Marcus Dunstan, which is somebody else I'm not a fan of, but uh, <laughs> um, the guy who directed the platinum dunes films, but um, yeah, crap. let's never speak his name again. Anyway, I don't really, I'm not a fan. I'm not, but there are some things that I do find interesting, you know, just in a, I don't, I don't know, in kind of a weird and just a, a weird grotesque kind of way. And like some of the townspeople and some of the family members, I just no, think it, I think, I think it grabs the grotesque things. No, I think there's some interesting things, but it's still not particularly good. Well, no, but I do. <laughs> I, I still think it's, I don't know. I still think they're all better than Halloween. I Halloween just mm. irritates me because, I mean, it's the same argument everyone's had for years. And it's just that I I think he missed the whole point of the character and completely changed who the character was. And he he took this this phenomenal, like uh, very mystifying creature of evil and just sort of came out of nowhere which was what was you know so scary and amazing about it and then turned him into your basic serial ki- i mean now he's just like every other serial killer shitty upbringing trashy parents you know hurt animals i mean it's yeah. you know they he basically turned him into any serial killer you can think of out there and i think that takes away from the mystique well you're you're right about all of that but it's still better than the Platinum Dune stuff. Yeah. And, and, yeah. To, <laughs> and to round yeah. out my list, <laughs> oh, the, yeah. the worst. Please. I'm just staring <laughs> at these names and I'm like, how do you pick? Uh, uh, Go I, ahead. I know. What yeah, I think you Elm Street. I, I think Elm Street's my least favorite. See, I knew. It was coming I ju- speaking of getting a character wrong, I think that movie fucks it up on a number of levels. And I, I don't you, even see how. It just look. We we've been down this road too many times. Okay. It it. I we both have our lines in the sand on this movie. Um. Then I would go. I guess Friday the Thirteenth for perfect nipple placement, which is one of the grossest <laughs> lines. In a yeah. movie of that era. Uh, I agree. And then, uh, yeah, I guess Texas Chainsaw is the best of those. It is. In in that it rips off some of the Hooper cinematography. That reminds me of how good that movie is in a way that the others don't. Yeah, it's the boy. That's. Yeah. It's a real and then you're saying gallery. Halloween is Halloween is top of the heap. Yeah, I think I think Halloween's the. Again, I don't ever want to watch that movie again. But if I had <laughs> to watch one of them, it would probably be that one. See, I just feel like even if you throw out all the stuff in the beginning that is completely unnecessary, but he felt the reason to do it anyway. Even if you throw out all that stuff, then what you're left with. As far as the when we get to the the retreading of the original film, then what you're left with is a group of cunty teenage characters whom I cannot like or get behind, including the lead Laurie. And I mean, my God, there's 
I think you can sum up her my hatred of her character in one scene, and that's when she's fingering a bagel in front of her mother. And this is not who Laurie Strode is. I I don't know this person, but this is not a person that I care about. I don't give a shit what happens to her or any of these girls. They're not likable. They are your typical Rob Zombie characters. And that apparently when he was growing up, he was surrounded by nothing but assholes because that's all he knows how to write for. I don't, I mean, they're just, there's nothing redeeming about any of these characters. Not one, except for Dee Wallace. You know, I mean, she's the only person in the whole film that I give a damn about. Well, and I actually do feel bad for Sherry Moon Zombie in this film. Uh, yeah. When we get to the, you know, to her ending, I'm like, you know, that's pretty sad. But beyond that, there's just a bunch of our art, well, and Brad Dorif. But beyond that, you know, they're just a bunch of irredeemable assholes. And I don't, I don't want to watch irredeemable assholes. And I don't give a fuck if they get killed. It just, it means nothing to me. I mean, by the time we get to it, I'm like, good, good, take them. Yeah. See if I care. And it, and then when we get to the ending, ending, I just think it's really boring and goes on for way too long. Yeah, you're but, uh, you're not wrong about any of that. No, the ending goes on for way too long. That is my biggest complaint about that movie. Always so. has been. But see, I have a thing about Rob Zombie characters, and they're all the same character. That's He writes the same characters every single time. I don't think he knows how to write a different kind of character. Yeah, it's, it's the Eli and, Roth syndrome. He accidentally made one really good movie. Right. And, and maybe didn't realize it at the time or did it for the wrong reasons or whatever happened. Mm-hmm. But he made one great movie. And we can all just enjoy that and never ever watch 31 and this devil's rejects thing looks like you know beating a dead horse at this point anyway all right on to more questions that that turns sad uh darren asks us (laughs) did anyone else think that the main baddie in the dead hate the living looks like paul rubens from buffy Um, yes i said the same thing absolutely yeah absolutely yeah i said exactly the same thing I wanted him to die the same way that Paul Rubin yeah. died. He has one of my favorite lines in that movie, the uh, kill him a lot. Uh, exactly. I think that's a great line. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're a whiff of Rob Zombie speaking to him, but yeah, there's, there's, I, some... we, we referred to him. We referred to him as Rob Zombie a lot too. I mean, we were throwing, barbs at this poor dude throughout the whole thing so um all right we're right around the corner from that conversation one last question from gate uh casey bates uh he says uh or asks us hi casey hi casey he says uh do you kids (laughs) go ahead vanessa i feel like i stepped on your hello that's okay hello um he asks us, do you consider kaiju films a branch of horror or is it more fantasy uh, or sci-fi? Um, yeah, I think it's a monster movie. I think that falls into horror, but I'm also a big kaiju fan. So, I agree with you. They're monster movies, and that's how I categorize them. As far as I'm concerned, monster movies fall into horror. So, Yeah, yeah. if you if you're then start taking out monster movies, like look at how many you would remove like them and you know <laughs> like and every so how many yeah. from the 70s where it was a reaction yeah. to all these the jaws right 
Jaws and different mm-hmm. things. Right. Those are horror films, but, you know, there's a scientific element going on. Mm-hmm. We we just watched Night of the Lepus last night. Oh, God. Yeah, there's a new Blu-ray of that, if you can believe it. Well, that's what we were watching. Uh, Brian got it in for review, so we were watching the uh, the Blu-ray. By the way, it looks great on Blu-ray. It really does. But um, Through the dirty window. Yeah, that, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not scary. They're bunnies. It's it's no a ridiculous scary, movie. No matter how oh, scary oh, you try to make them, they're still bunnies. But uh, if anybody does catch that out, by the way, pay attention to the kitchen scene where they're like bunnies loose in the kitchen, and they do some really fun stuff with models in that film. They they really they really tried their they busted their ass to try to make this work, and they did some really fun stuff with models. But when you're in the kitchen. Yeah, the models are inconsistent. I mean, because they have some giant cans of soup <laughs> and some giant cups, you know, <laughs> in relation to the size of the cabinets. But <laughs> and no one has ever been terrified screaming. It's hopping right at us. No, <laughs> nope. <laughs> Nasty nope. big sharp teeth. <laughs> right, right. It, Monty Python ruined that movie forever. Is is the problem. <laughs> No, I remember seeing that movie as a kid and laughing hysterically. I was like, is this supposed to be scary? Yeah, it's it's the, speaking of M. Night Shyamalan earlier, it, it's the problem with uh, The Happening, is there's nothing scary about breezes. What? You know? No. <laughs> Yo, bro, that wind's coming right at us. It's going to make us kill ourselves. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> Boy, that crazy lady just got near a fern and she offed herself, bro. We got to get out of here. It's <laughs> it's so much fun to do. And that. Zoe Deschanel is just staring blankly into the distance. Boy, Blinking. I, you know, I, I hate to criticize any actor at any time, but she just seems like a real, you know, handball wall to bounce a wall against. And that's pretty much what you're getting out of Zoe Deschanel as a, a partner in a scene. <laughs> That's mean. Speaking of mean, it's time to turn our attention uh, <laughs> to tonight's first film. Ladies and gentlemen, it's The Dead Hate the Living. Doms and subs, masters, mistresses, and slaves, owners and pets, daddies, Mommies and littles, primals and prey, switches, heathens, kinksters and deviants, welcome to Legion After Dark. Legion After Dark is a movie review podcast with a kinky twist. I'm your host, Lady M, and every episode I'll be reviewing a movie with a BDSM or kink theme. I'll also be talking about books, sex toys, bondage equipment, all the fun things that make life grand. I'll be featuring a different kink each episode, and I'll even give you a song to scene to. So join us on Legion After Dark, coming soon to Legion Podcast Network.
All right. Uh, the Dead Hate the Living from the year of our Lord 2000 uh, is a film directed and written by a gentleman named Dave Parker. And uh, the summary goes a little like this. When a renegade band of young filmmakers break into an abandoned hospital to make their horror epic, uh, no quotations there, which is a mistake, they stumble upon a real dead body and decide to use it in their movie. They accidentally bring it back to life, open a portal to a dead world that releases dozens of other zombies, then struggle for their lives in a desperate attempt to flee from the creatures who apparently have them hopelessly trapped in the hospital. Uh, that is a thorough job. Well done, summary writer. Um, eh, do we care about the cast here? Probably not. Topaz, uh, the main uh, female character played by Jamie Donahue. She uh, seemed all right. And then uh, then a <laughs> bunch of other people. Let me let me Not say this. Paul Rubens. No Paul Rubens. Uh I don't know what that Rick Irwin, I think, is maybe that guy. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't matter. So Oh, there's so much here that doesn't matter. L- sure. L- let me say this though. This is where I'm gonna I I feel like I'm on potentially the wrong side of history here. Uh I saw the Dead Hate the Living. Uh, probably shortly after it came out, because I thought it had a pretty rad title. I think that's a great title for a movie. And then I watched the movie, and I was like, that's not very good, but I think there's something to it. And when I watched it again, and I hadn't seen it in a long time, and then when it popped up on the uh, uh, the Wheel of Devour there, uh, I was kind of excited about it, and then I watched this movie, and I had the exact same reaction which was, that's not a very good movie, but I think there's something to it. Uh, so tell me why I'm wrong. Uh, Vanessa, let's start with you. What did you make of The Dead Hate the Living? I don't think you're wrong. I think that there is an idea there, but... <laughs> and when I saw ahead of time that IMDb had a rating of 4 out of 10 stars... You know, I don't necessarily... I always take the with a grain of salt. However, it also gave me an idea of what I might be in for. Um, sure. Setting expectations properly. I feel that's, yeah. I feel that's a good idea like, with this movie. I was like, okay, fine. I, I'm not completely... Like, I, I'm getting the kind of, like, range of where it might be. Sure. Okay. I'm still going to give it a chance. Fine. I mean, I, I read the the whole IMDb synopsis, whatever, but it didn't occur to me initially when the movie opens and they're filming like the movie within a movie kind of thing. But the, they have the guy who's the corpse and he's got such the yellow extra looking skin and it's supposed to be stage makeup. But my first thought was before I realized it was a movie within a movie, I was like, that, 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 that makeup is so bad. He just looks jaundiced. Mm-hmm. And I certainly hope the entire movie is not going to have effects this bad. <laughs> I really, but that's kind of where I was like, I really hope that's, you know, right. It gets a little bit better. And it did. But I, one of the things I kind of like about this movie 
is that you do see those real shitty effects early on. And then when they get sure. to the like, here's what's supposed to be the real thing. It's like, oh, that's way better effects. That's kind of smart. And I don't think it's great, but I think no. it's just clever enough to be noteworthy. <laughs> no, no, agree. That's that's why I'm bringing it up is that I, I was just like, okay, I feel better now. Thank you. <laughs> like, but it gave me a minute where I was like, ooh, I don't think this is going to even get four out of ten stars for me. <laughs> like, <laughs> So that was nice. But then, and then, you know, and then it goes like right into the super cheesy music, which there is later actually some good music in the movie. So that at least improved and was kind of making fun of a low budget movie. I got that. But one thing that kind of annoyed me. There's a little cemetery set that's built and there's a tombstone that says has full cheese name on it. Yeah. Okay. Which I was like, oh, okay, whatever we get it. This guy's supposed to be a horror fan and he has this little homage stuck in his movie. Fine. All you needed was that one, but then you've got all these other things like, and to the extent of they're just, too much it's kind of like yeah we get it like there's another scene where it's the bumper sticker that says i love fulci yeah and the multi lives i think is what she lives or something like that and, and then the evil dead kind of references and then you know some other stuff and it's like fine to pay homage or you know have your nods to whoever inspired you but they don't all need to be that overt like we get it. You're beating us over the head with it. You're a horror fan. It's like I said during Tragedy Girls. I like when films make references to horror films without shoving it down your throat. They like did when they right. did the, the stars for the prom. Yes. You know, no one said the word Carrie. No one mentioned it. You don't have to. If someone out there is a horror fan, they're going to pick up on it. You know, um, if... Other people watching this film are horror fans, which I can only imagine there's no, I mean, I can't imagine who else would watch it, but um, chances are if you put something out there, they're going to pick up on it. You know, that's the fun of Easter eggs, you know, and then don't, but don't shove it down our throats. That doesn't prove anything. Right. It's a real, they're bludgeoning you with. Hey, we love horror guys kind of thing. And I think it's genuine. Aren't we so cool? Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's an affect. I think it's yeah. just they they genuinely wanted to make a, a, a good horror movie. Like, I think the movie within the movie and all that stuff is sort of mirroring the experience of making this movie to some extent. And I, I think they're genuine. And, and I find the film to be plucky, <laughs> which is the most damning with fate praise thing you could say about a movie. Because yeah. most of the actors are are not great in this. Uh, agreed. Uh, it's not well written. Um, agreed. It is like the makeup effects, even though better than the beginning, are still like this is still a low budget movie. It was like a full moon distribution kind of thing. I wonder if they. Right. It really feels like these people made a movie and then full moon picked it up. I don't. It doesn't feel like a full moon production. Right. And I, I would I would tend to agree with that. IMDB says its budget was 150000 Right. I thought you were going to say $150. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of the same when you're making a movie, you know? And yeah. 
And so on that level, there's something I like about this film isn't great, but they're, they're given it an honest to goodness shot and they're not necessarily playing by a specific formula. They're ripping off too much. Like there's a return of the living dead scene in there for no reason. And agreed. You're just like, knock it off. So it's too much. It's like, it's a teenager. uh, Well, you guys can obviously relate to this. It's the teenage boy who, who, has that first spontaneous like masturbatory session where you're just like, I got to get all of this out of me right now. And it was these guys, like everything they loved about horror was going into this movie and it, the movie suffers for that. And, and they're just not great filmmakers or at least not this stage. I haven't followed up with their later work. Nonetheless, I still, I, I think there's a genuine spirit of, uh, like creative something about this movie that I like. And I, and I like that it, it kind of has the balls to pay off a little bit at the end uh, in a, in a way that I almost feel like the void saw and stole anyway. Sorry. You I know what's weird is I thought of the void as well. Yeah. It's the exact same ending as the yeah. void. Uh, but yeah, I didn't, that's, that's my take on it as I stepped on Vanessa's. Um, what did, what else did you think about it now that I, I've uh, just blurted all that? No, it was just there were too many instances where I'm like, okay, you have, you've relied so much on this trope. You've relied so much on that trope or whatever. And then that I just kind of started getting annoyed with people. And it, maybe, it would, maybe it would have been better if I'd watched it with someone else, not by myself. So then I could have at least made fun of it. And it wouldn't be so scary. And it wouldn't have been, <laughs> and it wouldn't have been so, and it would have, I would have enjoyed it more. Sure. Because I could have, you know, it could have made fun of it rather than me just sitting here like, really? Like, <laughs> right. There's a lot of watering through hallways in this movie that you're like, let's tighten all this up, please. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of wandering through hallways. And it's just not everybody rifles through people's shit. Not everybody's a snoop. I mean, come on. It's, I'm like, and I actually wrote down. Wait, wait, yeah. Why must that device be used, but used so much in film? <laughs> I actually wrote that down. Nice. I was getting so annoyed with it. <laughs> but there were a couple little things that I think I don't know if they were doing as homages or they just didn't know what else to do. But the scene. <laughs> That I have to point out with the guy who's the actor in the movie within a movie. Uh-huh. Who plays the, who's playing a doctor in their little film. Dr. Scientist, <laughs> I think is the character's name. Yes. <laughs> Whatever. That's like the first one of the group to get killed. And when he's turning it, his transformation into a zombie, it totally looked like the Incredible Hulk. Like the way, like, oh, like his, yeah. like the way the muscles were bulking up and everything. I was like waiting for him to say, "You wouldn't like me when I'm angry." <laughs> yeah, Mister McGee's hot on his trail. Exactly, exactly. That's yeah. yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I you know, but here's another little detail I liked was uh, I feel like I play a counterpoint here to a movie that I don't really want to defend too much. But uh, the little backstory about why 
uh, Paul Rubens wanted the whole world <laughs> dead. It was like, okay, that's, I mean, it's kind of a, a Batman villain origin story, but fine. Okay. That's yeah. something. Yeah. All right, Jamie, turn loose. Uh, the biggest problem I had with that whole cemetery thing bit is I actually thought the cemetery set was cool looking when he <laughs> when he's standing there and he starts he has the zombies come out of the cemetery I'm like wait yeah. wait a minute yeah, yeah. they, they so had to crawl in there me, right <laughs> you're gonna tell me this dude had these zombies crawl into this fake cemetery yep. dig under in these fake graves and wait yep. for him to call them out like that's I, bull to the shit as Bo would say. Yeah. I'm not buying that. And so even though it looked neat, I'm the, I, the whole fact that it looked neat was overshadowed by me going, fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. It, it, well, it's like the wall tribe from uh, kingdom of the crystal skull. Those people that as soon as like Indiana Jones at all stroll past, they come out of the walls and you're yeah. like, how long were you in there? <laughs> Have you been waiting there all day? Have it all week? What's going on? <laughs> We're wall people, son. Just brick yourself up. This is all going to pay off. People are going to be so surprised when we appear suddenly. Yeah, because what if they hadn't gone that direction? What right. if he didn't run into them at that time and you know we had that whole thing? And then these all these zombies are just chilling in the fake graves for... No reason. It just was. D- I mean, it's, if he had the power dumb. to tele, if he had the power to teleport, okay. But no, he didn't. Which means they had to do. They had to plan ahead for that scene, which may never have happened if you know one thing had gone differently. So I was like, that is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. So there's one thing I appreciate about that scene, though, and that I well, kind of love. Is that when they're breaking through the graves, like in the, 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 what's supposed to be the grass of the cemetery, it's so clearly like cardboard that it looks like a fucking Edward movie. <laughs> like it just looks. Oh, yeah. It's perfect, like throwback to that era. And I'm like, I totally appreciate that. Okay, thank you. You've it's like it that look- scene in Beetlejuice where he starts digging up Beetlejuice's grave yeah. in the model. Yes. And- <laughs> That's exactly what it looks like. I appreciate that touch. Thank you. <laughs> you know what? Um, Topaz. I didn't care about her in the beginning. I didn't care about any of them. But by the time we got to it, I actually did kind of like her. She grew on me. Um, that, which kind of which kind of goes for the movie on the whole. Now, in the beginning, I was not happy. I was like, this is awful. It is so bad. And... And I'm not sure if you would have want to watch this with someone else, Vanessa, because my experience was <laughs> that I watched this with Brian and I had to listen to him complain that I made him watch it the entire time. <laughs> so, and he's like, and why are you watching this again? I'm like, it was an audience choice. They're not allowed to do that anymore. <laughs> you can't okay. make them calls. Only we can decide that. I know. And he was not happy. <laughs> he's like, this one and that last one, I'm done. I'm not watching they, anymore. Yeah. He's with you. <laughs> well, There's tell- really good stuff on that list, and we uh, just haven't hit it. Well, and I'll, I'll tell you, once this one was picked, Darren told me that it was his pick. I'm like, okay, whatever. 
halfway through this movie, exactly 45 minutes into the film, I texted you, texted him and was like, what the fuck have you done to me? (laughs) (laughs) And then, and that's when he started apologizing. (laughs) Well, I mean, like I said, the more we got into it though, the, by the time we got to the end, I guess, I don't know if my, if I, if like my will had just given up, I don't know if I was beaten but I don't know what happened, but by the time we got to the end of the movie, I was like, eh. I mean, like, I didn't, it wasn't as bad. I kind of got a little bit of enjoyment out of it uh, by the time we got to the end. But it took a really long time for me to get to well, that point. And I was just going to say that because it took until, like, about 50 minutes in before anything really happens. Like, Well, and anything, that's the thing. Like, threatening potentially yeah. threatening happens and you're like you should at least have a hint of that a little earlier in the movie no for the majority of the film yeah. all we're doing is wandering around talking about how we're making this film i mean that's all we're doing is talking about you know how badass guerrilla filmmakers we are you know locking ourselves in this hot hospital a uh, hotel hotel hospital or whatever i mean you know we're so badass and we're so gorilla and we're making this movie and that's all they talk about for like half the movie and i'm come on and and i said I'm like you would be really great if we had some dead hating on some living at some point in this movie you know and then of course we had the whole uh, which I'm not sure if this is the Return of Living Dead scene you're referring to, Bo. But when the whole, you know, why do you hate the living? Oh yeah, and, totally. Okay. Yeah. Why? Are and I'm wh- like, Jesus Christ! Return of the Living Dead did it way first, and they did it way better. And your reason's kind of dumb. I mean, it was just basically, yeah. I don't know. It, yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> it was because they wanted it in there. They were like, yeah. you know, what's awesome in Return of the Living Dead when they interview that zombie? We ought to have one of them scenes too. It's like, well, it doesn't really fit. Like, eh, it don't matter. Just put it in. Yeah, and We don't have a good reason. Yeah, whatever. Well, it's like, speaking of Topaz, there's a scene towards the end of the film where uh, Topaz and the director and his, uh, his makeup effects guy are kind of squaring off against the zombies. And Topaz pulls out a knife. And they're like, you had that all along? Where did exactly. you get that from? And she's like, or why didn't you mention that before? And she's like, I don't know. It's like, man, you had like 40 pages of script before this moment. And she mentions that she she got it when she took a rape prevention class. Yeah. Wouldn't you have thought some of those skills would have kicked in sooner? Yeah. As far as like how to survive a fucking situation. Yeah. This whole thing feels like a first draft. Like, like I want to see the version. A drunk first draft. <laughs> right. But, like, I want to see the version of the Dead Hate the Living that is three drafts later under, like, sober working conditions <laughs> where they're paying attention to stuff. And, and you know, you hear that title, and, you know, just from the title alone, I expect something, like, cool and Italian and, and I don't what? know, like, uh, I'm just, I'm picturing kind of like a Fulci film, maybe. Uh, you know, just because it's a pretty badass title. Yeah, it desperately wants to be a Fulci film, of course. Of course. But it d- they don't know how to be right. a Fulci film. Right. You're yeah. right. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> I nailed it. <laughs> yeah. We got, to, we got to the heart of this. Alright, well, let's grade this thing. Uh, of course, listeners, we were talking about five stars here. Half stars... Allowed quarter stars, no, no. 
We are not animals. Uh, (laughs) Vanessa, how would you rate the dead hate the living? Oh, God. That's Um, not on the scale. No, I I give it to 2.5. Just like, it's like ink. Like I said, I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it really either. And I couldn't recommend, I can't recommend it to someone. Yeah. I mean, I'll, there were maybe a couple more enjoyment moments of enjoyment here compared to like ink for me, but. Oh, this is better than ink. I would argue that. But I don't, I just, it, yeah, just didn't do much for, of anything for me. All right. Two and a half. Uh, Jamie, how about you? I think that half star of hers is because of Darren. And I'm telling you that don't be afraid. He's not going to hurt you. No, it. He's we. I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, I can't go any higher than two, even though I said by the time we got to the end, it had warmed me, or I had warmed to it a little bit. It still wasn't enough to make me ever, ever, ever want to do this to myself again. You know what I find interesting is there is a lot of people out there, or there are a lot of people out there who champion this film. I've discovered, and I don't get it. Yeah, see, but. You know, I mean, it's like you said, they, they, what was it you said? Oh, it was plucky. It was plucky. Yeah. I guess it was that. Yeah. But, it's like a farm girl heading to the big city. Just nothing in her bag, but <laughs> her high school clothes and a, and a pocket full of dreams. Yeah. Jamie. You know what happened to those? You know what happens to those farm girls? <laughs> I do. And it's really sad. It's the dead hate it the is. living. <laughs> It's Elizabeth Short. You see him with too much makeup on the a street corner somewhere, and you're like, oh, you yeah. should have stayed in college, it turns yeah, out. Yeah, they don't all meet Richard Gere and, and drive off into the sunset in a, a limo. All right, but so here's the thing. I'm going to agree with you on the score. I would also give this two stars. But it's only because I could never recommend it to anyone. But if someone had seen it and said... You know, it's not that bad. Then I would say you're 100% correct. <laughs> it is not as bad as the first 30 minutes implies. And it gets genuinely kind of interesting. It's just It just takes way too long to get there. And it's just not that well done and blah, blah, blah. Well, if you want to take that long to get to the meat of your story, then you... Be, it takes 45 minutes. Be damn yeah. well there better be something good about you to keep me interested in the meantime. And it's not, you know, I mean, a lot of times a film can ride on character. Okay. Prom night. I don't mind the sitting time with prom night, even a little bit. I don't care. I will watch that movie on repeat, you know, and you don't really get in, you know, you don't get to prom night until way into the film. But what we have in the meantime is what I find to be interesting characters, and I I like the world they're in. I enjoy being in that world. I don't get that here. It feels like a low-budget porn from, and honestly, it feels like it is of its time, very of its time. I mean, it's just the look of yeah. it, the feel of it, the everything about it is so 2000, I can't even stand it. <laughs> oh, um, even the fire effects at the end. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, they're real bad. I Watching it, I was like, I kind of want to watch uh, Subspecies again. <laughs> it reminded me enough of that. 
you know what's funny is when we were the whole time, as soon as it was announced, I was like, oh, I've seen that movie before, and I didn't like it. Um, and I, I was like, I remember that. You know, I remember seeing that. Well, then it turns out when we start watching it, because I was like, yeah, you want to watch this with me? And Brian's like, not really, but I will. And I was like, okay. And I said, have you seen it before? He's like, yeah, I think so. And so we sit down and both of us kind of look at each other. And I'm like, I've never seen this before. And he's like, yeah, me neither. And I'm like, huh, wonder what the hell I was thinking of. Well, then I realized what I was thinking of. I was thinking about The Dead Next Door. Oh, yeah, that's a pretty good movie. I was like, oh, that's not this movie at all. So, yeah. But I all these years, I thought I kept seeing this cover and stuff everywhere. I thought I'd seen this movie. Like I swear, I had seen this movie before. Nope. Yeah, never it, did. It did have a a pretty pretty great uh, box cover back in back in them wild and woolly VHS days. Um, all right, I think that's gonna uh, put a wrap to this. Uh, of course, head over to the devour the podcast uh facebook page and and there you can see um the polls when we ask for more movies i think i still have enough uh for the next wheel between the last couple of times we did this and we got to get to a good one like the descent is on there oh man right right and we ended up with dead hate the living so I, I'm determined to make this work for the show. I'm determined that eventually we're going to watch a movie that's like, you know what? The wheel was kind to us uh, this week. I wasn't there to pick a number this time. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I I didn't want to say it, but I, I do kind of blame you. I wanted to make up for ink. <laughs> oh, shit. All I right. I to help you choose the number on that one, so... This is like if we were doing an experiment and we had like a formula we'd been working on and the first two rats we injected it with <laughs> just turned belly up within the first, oh, 15 minutes or so. It's like, huh, maybe this wasn't such a good idea. Uh, <laughs> anyway, but we're gonna, we will soldier on. We persist. Uh, it is time now to go to our main feature for the evening, the big marquee film. Uh, this time out, it's Terrifier from 2017. And now, our feature presentation. So, Terrifier uh, is a movie that uh, we'd all heard about and used this show as an excuse to watch it finally. Uh, the, the synopsis is as follows. A maniacal clown named Art terrorizes three young women on Halloween night and everyone else who stands in his way. It's written and directed by Damien Leone, or Leone, uh, if he's related to Sergio, potentially. And he uh, also did All Hallows' Eve, which also features this character of Art the Clown, uh, which I think, did you get all the way through that today, Vanessa? Yes, I did. All right, so we've both watched that today. Uh, and I did not, I saw that you were both watching it today and I did not, I've seen it. I didn't like it. So no, it's not good. Uh, I didn't want to watch it. Yeah. It's, it explained a lot. I feel it, it it made me realize like, Oh, okay. I understand. I think who this person is now. Uh, and by which I mean the director. (laughs) So, um, Anyway, uh, yeah, so it's basically uh, 
two girls on Halloween night out partying. Uh, they're in kind of a remote part of town. Uh, they're a little bit drunk, so they decide to go to uh, a restaurant, a pizza place, to get a bite to eat, to sober up a little bit. Uh, during this time, they catch uh, the eye of Art the Clown, and he shows up at the pizza place and then ends up terrorizing them and eventually one of the girl's sisters, and uh, it's all a big, uh, violent free-for-all. And... Uh, Jamie, let's start with you this time. What did, what did you think about Terrifier? I feel like I know what Vanessa thinks. What what about you? This may be surprising, especially since I just said I did not like all Hello Z. I and when I say I did not like it, I did not like it. Like I was not a fan. So when this film was coming out, I uh, was not excited. I wanted. I did, however, want to see it because I, I'm the kind of person who. I like to see stuff when it comes out. I want things in I want things in my lexicon whether I like them or not. I I like to know what's going on. Like eventually I I would like to watch the 50 shades movies just to have that pop culture reference. I'm still haven't done that. But um Brian on the other hand, he was like, "No, no. No, don't want to. No, don't want to." And I was like, "Uh." And every time I'd bring it up, he's like, "Nope." Well, then when I said, well, we got to, I'm watching it for a show. And then he's like, okay, fine. So we did. And neither of us hated it as much as we thought we would. Okay, now, I didn't hate it at all. I was actually kind of pleasantly surprised, especially considering what I remembered of art from previous the previous film. I, there, they did some things here that I, that I thought were pretty good. Like, I... I thought the gore was pretty decent. I like the upside down boobies. Um, Brian, he actually had this really cool idea that I think would have been really funny if they had done it in the movie. Where like when Art was sawing, if he had stopped like halfway through and like shaking his hand and been like, you know, like, yeah, I I think that would have been kind of hilarious. It would have been great if it had been one of those bigger magician saws. Oh, yes. He could have done it through the wedding. That would have been hysterical. Yeah, I mean, play it up. You know, I, I think they could have played that up a little bit more because one of the sticking points I had with that was you're not sawing through somebody's skull like that. You're just not. I not, mean, not with that saw, you're not. No, that, I mean, when you what get I was thinking, you need a better tool for that. Like in the beginning, yeah, right. Uh, in the beginning, when you when you started at the crotch, I was like, I was like, oh shit, that you know, that's fucking painful, and it's going to take a long time to kill you. Because right there in the beginning, there's nothing that's going to kill you. It's just going to hurt a whole hell of a lot. And I'm like, that is a really horrible way to die. And but then by the time, yeah, yeah, you know, by the time we get down to the head, I'm like, no, that's just silly. You know, you can't do that. Not with that saw. So um, then, so that's why I think that if he had gone a little more outrageous with it, then it would, you know, it would have been funnier. It would have been better. You know what I'm saying? Like, it would have distracted from the fact that you can't really do that on television. Was that scene supposed (laughs) to be funny? No, I don't think it was. Although he did. No, it was. That's just it. It was supposed to be. I mean. It was. It was some of the more cartoonish violence or gore, rather. Well, and he did make that face. Like, he before yeah. he started, he, he kind of made a face at her. And so it was. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, I, I think it. I think it was supposed to. But. I like 
the the like the scene in the restaurant where he did that creepy smile. I think that was you know that was pretty creepy. I mean, the fact that he's just walking around with this random bag of shit, you know, um, that I thought the chick in the skeleton costume that was hot. I that is like one of the hottest slutty Halloween costumes I think I've ever seen. Like it was just, it was very simple, but I dig it. You know, I also like the little scarecrow hat, you know, but the skeleton girl, I mean, she was hot, you know? So that was, I didn't mind watching that. I also really liked the fact that we got a little bit of a switcheroo and I didn't think they would do that. I was, I was pretty sure where we were going with this film and we didn't go there. And I was like, you know what? good on you you know I'm, I'm glad you did now there was a turn that i was afraid they were gonna make and it was actually i think they expected people to think they were gonna do this based on based on some specific i'm trying not to spoil here but based on some specific facial damage and and uh corresponding makeup that between two different characters i think they expect you to think all right well whatever they start the <laughs> the beginning of it is the end basically and i'm i am tired of movies doing that i'm getting i'm getting it's getting kind of old for me i'm sick of movies being like starting with the end but the way they play it off you kind of it could go either way and maybe it is and maybe it isn't like it in the beginning i was like well maybe cuz it kind of gives you the impression that this is like a continuation um, that this is a, because, like, you get the whole kicking the TV thing, which doesn't really make a whole lot of sense if that hadn't happened yet, but whatever. I it, That part's kind of confusing. So I think that they are trying to, purposely trying to misdirect you there. And I think that's kind of fun. And I was afraid that they were going to have this, that character be the skeleton girl. Uh, this, the character from oh the sure like do a chase and goes to hell kind of thing right and, and okay. i was like i was like you can't do that because she took a fucking she took like a whole clip to the face you know i mean yeah. if it was like one bullet it'd be like oh okay you know but no like it was like bap, 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 right in the face there's no way so i was like if they do that i'm gonna be really mad and they did something else and so i was like okay i'm 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 okay with that so on, I'm, I know I'm all over the place uh, and I'm very confusing. I get that because I'm confusing myself. I understand, but people it's out there, also this movie. Yeah, I mean, I think people out there who have seen it might be able to follow me. Um, people out there who haven't seen it, I'm trying really hard to do this for your benefit. Believe it or not, um, one issue I did have was Crazy Baby Lady. I didn't really care. Thank you. I didn't really care about her or care about her being, I mean, it just didn't seem to make any sense. So I was like, whatever. I don't think it was necessary. Um, you know, overall though, I, I don't think they fell into the traps. I expected them to fall into. They kind of stepped around them in ways. I didn't expect this film to do. So I guess what I'm trying to say is they did smarter things than I thought they would. And I was expecting it not to be all that smart. And they did a couple things that I thought were pretty smart. So I got to give them credit for that. I ended up liking it in spite of myself. Exceeding expectations. Vanessa, uh, how about you? What did you think? Of, I love uh, how he boils down my 30-minute ramble into two words. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I'm here for. Uh, what, what did you think about uh, Terrifier here? 
you know, I, I, I knew I had seen All Hallows Eve, but I, I hadn't remembered it. And that's part of why I rewatched it today. And, and yeah, this is, this is, I definitely like this better, but uh, I just, well, okay. I got to get this out of the way. This is one of those things that my mother would immediately say, it's movies like this that give us clowns a bad name. <laughs> I can, so I could hear her. I can't nagging, imagine. I could hear her nagging voice in my head. <laughs> Cause I've had this conversation a lot with her. <laughs> um, but I really did like the clown costume and makeup. Uh, it, it's a very, it, it's much more a style that's connected to like the Commedia del Arte. That's a little, it has a darker side to it anyway. And like an older kind of theater thing. But the fact that like the, with the makeup, the way that they blacked out the actor's gums and teeth, there's just something so unsettling about that. Then when he does the smiles, and like you could barely see whatever the his actual teeth. Yeah, yeah, it was properly unsettling. But the actor was very well. I think was he was properly expressive, and it, mm-hmm. it worked very. He was well. He was well cast, and I could see where it wouldn't work as well. And I think it was a different guy in All Hallows Eve. Who played that role? I don't know for sure. I meant to go back and look, but but yeah. for something I'd heard about the film before I watched it gave me the impression that it was a different guy. Yeah, yeah, I think that is correct. So maybe um, that maybe that explains, or maybe that's one facet of why well, I liked. This it is better. a different actor. It is a different actor. So maybe that's it, uh, because it, it's hard to pull that off. I think, and you're right to be like we were talking about Pennywise earlier. Earlier to be properly scary. Because, especially if you're not someone who's scared of clowns. I'm not. I've never been, even before my mother was a clown. But this kind of thing where you take it that step farther where the gums and the teeth are all blacked out. And this kind of this darker, this clown makeup anyway that is on the darker side of Mm -hmm. clowns and their history. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, I appreciated that. But there were too many instances where I was just kind of like, is this necessary? Like, the point where he's riding the tricycle around. I'm like, is this necessary? Why? Is this supposed to be creepy? Like, what are you... I liked that part. I just thought that... I actually laughed out loud when he came riding around with the tricycle. I'm like, oh, that's... I just... It's absurd. You know? I mean, I, I think the absurdity of it tickled me you know so i enjoyed that there but there were a lot of moments where i was like i don't know well, why <laughs> and, and i agree with you the crazy baby lady like just was so she would randomly pop up and just she didn't need to be there at all no she did not need to be there at all she didn't do anything except you know provide a wig for him and some boobs right which that part I mean, while it was creepy looking, he kind of reminded me of Marilyn Manson. And um, and uh, while it was creepy looking, it just, the one, who's going to take the time to do that? 
in that situation. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Also, you didn't pull enough hair off that woman's head to make mm-hmm. that head of hair. Because I see her on the floor over there, and she's got more hair. I think that, that was a supplementary was. wig. Was I th- it? Yeah, no. I think that wig came from somewhere else. I don't think he okay. was using <laughs> her hair. <laughs> sure, sure. But, I mean, one thing I will give it to its credit is that it's, you know, I didn't completely, like, hate the characters and that it kept up the pace well enough that I was kind of pulled in. That's where you see, like, All Hallows' Eve was kind of, like, all over the place. And granted, it was more of an anthology kind of thing, the way it was set up, I guess. Yeah, it was. But, it, you know, so this a little more cohesive and maybe that's why this works better and why the character of the clown works better. But I, I agree. They could have gone more cartoonish with some of the gore. Uh, I mean, like make a few more things a little bit more ridiculous, not necessarily everything, but just a couple things. Cause I you're going to, if they had, the- I think it would have been a lot more memorable. Right, because you have those moments where he's already mugging to the camera and, like, you know, honking the horn. That's, like, it's just perfect, like, to because the, the actor, it, with, combined with that makeup, just is so demented looking. I think you're, what you're saying is my, one of my biggest problems with this movie, which is that for the violence that it indulges in... It feels like it should live in a heightened world. Like, if it's going after a grindhouse vibe, it should have that vibe. You know, everything should be a little overblown. And instead, I felt this movie uh, doesn't earn the violence that it employs in a way that made it feel sadistic and mean to me Mm -hmm. in a very off-putting way. Um, I don't understand who I'm supposed to be rooting for in this movie because all of your main characters are just sequentially killed. So if the main character of the film is Art the Clown, what are my feelings about him supposed to be? Like, it's that question of, am I supposed to be laughing in this scene where he hacksaws a woman in half, vagina first? Or the scene where he's shooting the other girl in the face and the joke is that he has to go get another clip leaving her there to suffer while he does it. And that feels like something out of Wolf Creek, not this movie, because this movie does go a little over the top sometimes, but it's just whenever it seems to feel like it. I, I think it's kind of a tonal mess. I, I Like I said, yeah. I found it really off-putting. I, I think the first thing that came to mind when I finished the movie was I found it distasteful. I can see that, especially now that, you have, that you've been talking about it. Oh, because while I was watching it, there were times when it almost crossed over in my mind to mm-hmm. something, um, something more along the lines of... I can't think of anything right now, but think of something distasteful, something that's just, you know, sadistic for being for the sake of being sadistic, you know, and then it would manage somehow to pull itself back for me 
it, I did find myself thinking it was okay because interesting. I don't like guns in slasher films. I, I think it's a lazy tool for a slasher film and I don't find it interesting. I don't even like it when real life serial killers use a gun. All right. Now that sounds terrible, but I don't know. But no, I, I, I'm right. I understand what you're saying, Jamie. When they aren't finally in that one scene kills the, that one character with the gun. I'm like, really? Seriously? You go yeah. that route? That's too fucking easy. You got to earn it. But then I thought when he had to go and get the other clip and all that, I, I was like, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of, that was kind of funny to me. And, but I can see where it would be. Um, and then the whole thing with the sawing of the woman, I, I, I can see where those would skirt the line between either you're going to find this humorous on some level or you're going to think but, this is horribly distasteful uh, on some level. And it's a very fine line. Yeah, I, I, I guess I the, like I don't understand what the humor part of that is. Um, I don't find it humorous. For instance, take the sawing scene. I don't find it humorous that he was sawing this woman um, at all. I, I it, like I, when he when it started, I was like, oh my god, this is a really horrible. That would be a really horrible fucking way to die. I mean, I the yeah. whole time I'm just I'm cringing and I'm mm-hmm. like my parts hurt because I'm I'm picturing. To me, it's like probably the equivalent of some guy having, you know, watching some other guy get his balls smashed with a hammer. You know, it's right. You it's the it, YouTube you know. video of of horror of like this is fucking crazy, right? Yeah, um, <laughs> it's like the compilation of nut shots and <laughs> yeah. Um, that, all right, I think you've summed up my feelings about Terrifier: a <laughs> compilation of nut shots. <laughs> so, I don't find this situation funny at all. But then, to me, it crosses the line from being basically torture, which is how it starts, into being something more comedic when he does get down to the bottom. And you're like, then I'm like, oh, that's just silly. You can't do that. You know, and then so my my mind takes it. And I think that's what they intended you to do with it. Yeah, I don't think they conveyed it as as well as they could have, which is why like Vanessa's suggestion of like the oversized magician saw or something would be really funny or like, you know, Brian's suggestion, which I still think is hilarious of like him, like getting tired out, like halfway down and been like, Oh my goodness. You know, um, I think if they had pushed it a little farther into the comedic area, then I think it would have worked better. But for me, I did still find it a little bit comedic just because I think that's where they were. They were I think that's what they were intending. It, yeah, it started out. I was like, oh, my God, this is horrible and this is painful and this is like pure torture. And then by the time we got to the end, I was like, oh, right. that's exactly. I, I do think if they had taken each of those scenes and pushed them, I just don't think they pushed it far enough. And I don't know if they were thinking if we push it too far, then it takes away from the horror of it. You know, and then suddenly people aren't going to, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. Right, I but mean, it's I guess not, it, it is a fine line, like I said. But it's not like the thing I'll always remember about this movie isn't the tense scenes of Art riding the little bike and shit, which <laughs> just feel like a lot of filler to get to the set piece stuff of here's this I, great big special effect. And I think the special effects are really good in this. It's just that every, like, the underlying philosophy of this movie is what is my sticking point 
which is like, again, I don't know who the protagonist of this movie is. Well, I, I agree with that. And I also think it's a little muddy when we loop back around from and we realize, you know, at the end who this character from the beginning is. Right. Then it leaves you wondering, well, what the fuck was she doing in the beginning? Like, what was her motivation mm-hmm. in the beginning of the film? Like, for her her action. Yeah, the, well, um, the characters are all paper thin. I mean, yeah, like, even the, I don't get that. I don't. I don't get how after we get after we get to the end of the movie and we see the you know where this character came from and who this character is. I don't understand then why she did the things she did in the very beginning of the film. It makes no sense to me. Let, let me ask you both a question because I, I legitimately either don't recall or they don't give the answer. But so uh, the skeleton girl's sister mm-hmm. who gets called yeah. for help. Yeah. She is studying for a big midterm or test or something. Right. Mm-hmm. In what subject? Oh. Because I don't uh, think they ever say. Did she say statistics? Maybe. Remember. But I mean, I, mean again, I, might be, I might be pulling that out of my ass, but for some reason, as soon as you asked that question, statistics popped into my mind. I don't but, remember. But it's one of those things where, you know, what? like her sister talks about, oh, I did, if I'd known you were studying. And it seems like some critical part of her character that, but of course, comes to nothing. What, but why does it matter what subject she's studying? Because it just gives some kind of texture to these characters beyond. It, this is the this yeah, is the even lady. If, what even if she's a psych would, major, she could be taking an English test. I'm I mean, just, it doesn't. It, it, you're right; it doesn't matter. But I'm saying the movie never bothers to try to texture anything into this. These are all just standard trope okay, characters, okay. yeah, that are just plastered into a movie with boring stalking scenes that lead to these grand effect scenes that are pretty good. But at the end of the day, I still don't know how I'm supposed to feel about any of it. You know, I don't think the the film has any any it, but like there's no engine to it as far as what characters are changing, what characters is overcoming what, any kind of narrative sense. Like even even fucking Halloween, which you can argue has the same kind of paper thin characters. Like I know a lot about like who's fucking who and Laurie's you know, kind of the boring one and stuff like that. And I don't know anything like that about these characters. And I, yeah, I just think it's all poorly written. I think it's, I think it's well executed crap. (laughs) (laughs) It's underdeveloped. Yeah, all of it is. And it's kind of needlessly sadistic when I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to enjoy about that. Like with, like a, a Tarantino movie, you know, Kill Bill is kind of sadistic, but it also is so gloriously over the top. Uh, or like all the Japanese splatter stuff that I like so much. It's just like, yeah, you don't have to take this seriously. Just enjoy how crazy it is. And I think that where this movie falls down for me is that it wants to ground itself in a, a kind of reality that makes its extreme violence way more uncomfortable and something more appropriate to Henry portrait of a serial killer than it is a movie about a killer clown. Maybe that's the genius of it. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not saying it is, but I'm saying 
maybe, or rather, maybe that's what they're going for. Maybe they're trying yeah. to make you, um, I might be giving them too much credit. I don't know. But maybe they're trying to make you unsettled and uncomfortable and not sure where you're supposed to fall. Do I feel bad about myself for enjoying that scene because it was just a little bit too realistic and it was just a little bit too sadistic? Do Does that make me a bad person? You know, because I thought it was funny. You know, maybe they want you to question that about yourself. Uh, perhaps you're right. I, I do think that's saying Terrifier is playing some 3D chess that I don't think it is. <laughs> I don't know. I mean... I like I on some level people who are like I really like this movie I can I can understand because there's stuff in it that is intended to be shocking and in some cases is but I think shocking is the cheapest form of attention and oh, well I do too yeah. I don't really think there's anything really shocking in this though I mean <sighs> I, I don't see it being like an August Underground where that's all yeah. it is is you know but that's almost what it is though or a Salo which. People can tell me all day long how you know how much depth is in that film, and I'm sorry, it bores the shit out of me. No pun intended there. That's how um, you know it's deep, <laughs> is it's boring. Um, well, <laughs> I'm sorry, that was funny. That's how you know it's deep. It's boring. It's boring. Deeper. Yes. Ha ha. I did. <laughs> we try not to truck in too many puns around here. I apologize for that. <clears throat> Anyway, I maybe that is what they were doing. I don't I don't know. I mean maybe that's too much credit, but maybe that's right. what they were trying to do. You're, I, you're writing a lot of fan fiction for maybe what the producers had in mind for this movie or or specifically yeah. Damien Leone, Leone. Uh you know, he wrote and directed all of this stuff and yeah, I just I, I don't think any of it's very good. Um but that's that's me. Do, do you guys want to say Anything else nice about it before we grade this thing? It still didn't do much of anything for me, but I, I did enjoy it a few more moments than I expected. I will say that. So I guess I'm with Jamie when I say expectations are exceeded because I didn't have high expectations for this either. Then let's score her up. Uh, Jamie, how about you uh, kick us off here? Are we still doing the... Star grades? Or yeah, we... just five stars, okay. half stars allowed. Let's keep it simple for everybody. Okay. We're All not right. doing, like, stars in one segment and, and you know, purple moons. <laughs> and this. Green clovers, clovers and... blue diamonds, right. purple shoes. Every segment of marshmallow. <laughs> I say uh, I'm going to go with a 3.5 for this. I I did like it. I almost really liked it. But... Not quite, but there were things that they did that surprised me, and it was um, there were things I liked about it that I wasn't expecting. So I'm still confused about that woman, though. I, I don't get what she was doing. Yeah, I guess just any excuse you can have to rip someone's tits off and wear them. Um, sure, not the crazy baby lady, the the woman in the beginning. I don't the the woman who oh. attacked the uh, journalist. Like I don't why why would you do that? Well, because she's all crazy because she's disfigured. Yeah, that, and you can't be a normal person after that because that's realistic, right? Yeah, it's just. The, I I swear to God, this movie should have a wear a jock strap. Um, <laughs> Vanessa, <laughs> I don't let that influence your score. That's one of the greatest statements I've ever heard. <laughs> 
jocks everywhere going, hey. Like I said, I actually like this more than I thought I would. I still, it's flawed, but it does have a few good things here and there. Uh, I don't still don't know if I would recommend it. But, um, I, yeah, I give it a three. I don't like it. I didn't like it as much as Jamie. All right. All right. Still north of the Mendoza doing well, Terrifier. Um, if it, you know, if Terrifier is listening, um, <laughs> I'm sure it is. Sure. You know, Arthur clown always tuning in every time you say its name, right? You say it three times in a row and no script shows up. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, all right. As that comment may imply, my score for this movie is a one point five. Ouch! Uh, I think the effects work is top notch, and if I saw a demo reel of this effects work, I would probably really, really enjoy it. But I find the rest of the movie to be gross and and occasionally incompetent. Damn. Yeah, I don't care for it. Well. Anymore. So, yeah, but I get it. Like, there is a vibe that this movie is laying down that is the exact opposite resonant vibe that I have. Where it's like, nothing about this movie works for me, but I also can understand how some of it might. Uh, But then I still have the larger questions of, like, I still don't understand what where my enjoyment in this movie is supposed to come from. Um, and that's a big problem for me when I don't understand how I'm supposed to like a movie. Am I supposed to be enjoying how gross it is? I don't know. That's it for that movie. Um, next month, hey, let's talk about uh, what's happening in June. And that will be uh, Otto or Up With Dead People will be our feature presentation. I don't know. That's kind of your suggestion, Vanessa. Anything you want to say about it in the lead up? I don't know. Have you seen it before? Oh, you said it was on your list or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been on my radar for a while, but I've never seen it. Yeah. Jamie, have you seen that? I have not. Okay. Okay. I've only seen it once, but I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Spoiler. But yes, it's directed by, uh, well, he usually directs gay male porn, but Bruce LaBruce. (laughs) So I think, yeah, if my memory serves, there's a, yeah, there's a bit of cock in the movie. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, hey, uh, <laughs> moving to our, our final segment of the evening where we discuss um, our hopes and our dreams and our fears. Um, now, we talk about what we're looking forward to, uh, to watching. And on the, on the back of what you were saying there, Vanessa... Uh, lead up to the show, I was watching the movie Revenge, which I haven't totally finished yet. Uh, but that is an exploitation movie I can get behind. I think it's it it's got a a, a real cool style. I'm looking forward to uh, to finishing that up. Um, and also Tokyo Vampire Hotel is is the other thing I want to I want to wrap up in the intervening weeks. The Sion Sono Amazon Prime joint. Um, what about you, Jamie? What are you going to be watching? I am really excited for that fan, that Tony Collette movie. Um, oh, Her- Hereditary. Hereditary, thank you. Or Hereditary. Yeah. Hereditary? Yes. Abominable? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I am really excited about 
that one. So it's it's going to be hitting theaters soon, and I'm super. I'm June eighth. June eighth. Um, yeah, that's my mom's birthday, and I'm super excited about that. Not my mom's birthday. I'm super excited about the movie. Oh, I mean, I guess I'm excited about my mom's birthday. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, take her um, to the movie. Two birds. You know. <laughs> it's a family film. Yeah, that's what I hear. Well, it's the kind of thing that we would go to the movies to see if it didn't cost me, you know, not only a movie ticket, but a plane ticket to do it. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Just go to the movie, get her on the phone, and you describe what you're seeing. (laughs) Or better yet, she goes in a theater, too, and you communicate via text the entire time. Oh, everyone would love that. I know. (laughs) We We ought to hold a contest. Uh, where the winner just gets Jamie watching a movie in real time and describing what's happening on screen. <laughs> would be worth its weight in gold. I would so do that. <laughs> I... All the president's men go. Oh, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> right, something hard. <laughs> Who's this guy again? (laughs) Water what? How dumb do you think I am? I don't think it's about you being dumb, Jamie. I think it's about how when you're trying to communicate your idea sometimes. I know it's true. Your mouth does funny things. (laughs) Sometimes my mouth doesn't connect with the head brain. We all know this. Right. It's things, true. Things get a little crossed in a really wonderful way. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and that's part of why we love you. Uh, <laughs> it's the talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, Vanessa, what about you? Um. Yeah, I'm also looking forward to uh, Hereditary coming out in the theater. And yeah, I guess that's about all I have coming up. Uh, for VD Clinic next month, we're doing Beyond the Valley of the Dolls for, as our movie. So, <laughs> oh, the Roger Ebert penned classic. Yes, yes. Very Which nice. That, you know, actually, it hasn't been that long since I read that book. No, no, no. We're, well, we're reading the book Valley of the Dolls, but we're seeing the movie Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Oh, okay. So, but are you discussing the that book and that film? I mean, yeah. you're Those discussing two, Valley yeah. of the Dolls, and you're re- and you're talking about yes, Beyond the Valley. Of the- okay, and that book is so trashy. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fun. <laughs> oh god, it is the yeah 2018 summer trashy beach read for VD Clinic. <laughs> really, sure that the the kind of book that you know earns the name VD Clinic. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, well done. Which, by the way, um, we were watching recently on Amazon Prime. We found this uh, collection of VD short films. The STD films, yes. Yeah, and suddenly there's your theme song. I know. And I was like, what? From that ad council PSA. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. It's the duck and cover of the genital world. (laughs) <laughs> yep. <laughs> See, that's uh, what happens when you allow David to scour the interwebs for hours on end. He's like, 
let's put this song here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Always dangerous in his hands, the internet. Um, hey, folks, thanks so much for listening. Uh, it is always a pleasure to be with you during this time, talking about these movies to uh, two hot bangers once more, uh, like The I Dead Hate the Living. I talking about us. What? Oh, no, I was talking about the movies. <laughs> I don't... Hey, look, if you guys want to advertise, <laughs> I'm not going to be the one to stand in your way. Well, I am single. <laughs> you know... I'll I'll just own it. Like I am a mediocre banger at best. <laughs> uh anyway, as I was saying, folks, thanks so much for listening. <laughs> and uh next month we will be back with uh Otto uh or up with dead people uh and a film as yet to be determined. And uh you can check out the next Morbid Monday uh to to be in on that selection. Uh, over on the uh, Legion podcast uh, Facebook group page. Um, Vanessa and Jamie, anything before we uh, we head out here? Nope. Uh, just thanks, everyone, for listening. I love you all, as always, and uh, appreciate you being here. Thank you. All yep. right. We'll see everyone in June. Uh, until then, goodbye. Say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Well done. Sometimes, 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 sometimes. Devour.